Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Toogie's Take Podcast. My name is Toogie. No, it's not on the birth certificate. Joining me today, well, it's the new co-host. The new co-host smell has not worn off quite yet. It is Endo Mills. And... Smells pretty bad. (laughs) And we have ourselves a guest joining us today. Noted Columbus Blue Jackets fan, so he's perfect to help us break down the Metro Division. He is a former NHL Gaming World Championship winner. You can catch out... Uh, you can catch out. You can catch up on his new blog. You can check it out. The Cookies Crumbs blog. You can find that uh, at the at the link in the description everywhere. I'll read it out. Still, might be tough to remember, but that is a uh, TSC Cookie One dot WIX site dot com slash Cookies Crumbs. See now you see why I'm leaving it down below. Everybody, welcome to the show, Top Shelf Cookie. Yeah, I appreciate both of you having me on. <laughs> I would say that website is a tough read. I know I'm still working on getting the whole <laughs> website creation going. So um, it's a work in progress, so just bear with me. There you go. So we do have a lot to talk about today. Again, as mentioned, it is our Metro Division breakdown here today. But I did want to start off the show uh, by talking about a specific blog post that Cookie posted about a month ago. It is a fairly quick read goes into your experiences as a professional NHL esports player and really how that affected basically every aspect of your life. So question number one uh, on the docket here. Tell me a little bit about the lead up. You know, what led up to that first GWC appearance? I guess your your history with playing NHL, uh, because as someone who thought he was plugged in, like having an eye on the competitive scene, it seemed like you just kind of showed up out of nowhere and took things over. Yeah, no, so that, that first year um, actually was a buddy of mine. Because um, I, I had played like hot, just like kind of just here and there. Um, and we had all, when I was in my freshman year of college, we'd all um, kind of just, we would hop in an Xbox party, kind of just hang out and play. And um, he came across the tournament, so he sent me the article. And I always thought it'd be cool, you know. And I, and I never had played competitively. I was like, oh, like, you know, I beat all my buddies. Like, we'll give it a shot. And so... Um, I remember the the first week of because at that time they did four week uh, qualifiers one one each week and one would move on and I remember first week I lost in like the second round I was like oh god okay like I this is this is gonna be a tough time in this tournament so uh, I didn't have too many high expectations and then the second week came around um, and it switched over to PlayStation so I was like all right I want to give myself the best opportunity to make it and i was i was like who has a playstation that i know i like texted my brother it's like hey dude like can i like just borrow your playstation for a week and he's like yeah yeah sure so um created an account real quick on playstation um and then you know ended up doing very well i think for that that um that tournament run in that one i don't know if i ever actually played like what's suggested as a top player or someone who was you know well known so could have just gotten the luck of the draw but it was like hey i'm making the most of it i remember uh like texting my dad that evening i was like hey uh um actually because well, i had to leave dinner early um that night we actually it was easter um easter sunday and uh, i left the dinner early to go play and i never texted my dad and i was like hey so uh uh, you're going to Connecticut with me in about a month, just so you know. And he like thought I was lying and everything else, and so had a couple good laughs. But uh, went on and played, and um, that year was it was very eye opening to kind of just what goes on. You know, I never had like a like a Twitter. Um, didn't I actually didn't really understand Twitch at the time, to be honest with you. I, I was not. I didn't watch Twitch. I wasn't in Twitch chats. Um, didn't even realize it was a thing. Um, and so um, we start playing. 
tournament goes well, um, finished third that year. So that ended up being um, one step or one place below like the world finals. So um, the U.S. region was the end of my road. But um, that whole experience was was very eye-opening in the sense of just the community. Um, you know, you go, I remember going to the hotel the morning of, and like I saw, you know, some of the players were playing against. At this point, no one had met each other. Like, do I go up and like say hi? Or like, are they going to be like, are we like rivals right now? Are they, uh, you know, eyeing me down to like try to get an edge, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but most, I would say almost everyone there, we were all just like chill. It was almost like, um, I, I put it as like a little vacation for everybody where we just get to hang out, play the game we love and, and kind of share that uh, bond with everybody. So the first year for me was certainly, um, certainly a, like I just taking it all in, really absorbing it, you know, kind of enjoying the moment. And um, I think, you know, how I placed was really on the backhand. Like I, I, I could have went there and went 0 and 10 and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have cared. Now, obviously, moving forward, of course, you would end up uh, becoming a champion of that particular tournament uh, not long after that. Again, the years, for me at least, was it 2020, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, 2019, yeah, yeah, 2019. 2019, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, the years yes, run yes. together, that's yeah. why I'm <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, he'll yeah. remember. Yes, right? it was 20, 2019. All right, so the man, they've been running that tournament for that long now. I think maybe because it's changed in so many different kind of ways that it can really kind of play tricks on you there. But uh, yeah. like I mentioned in the article, you talk a lot. It is, I'd say, the, the main portion of the article about the, the mental and physical effects that you went through to get to that point where you felt like you were at the top of your game and able to end up winning the entire tournament. And as you allude to, I'd say a lot of it is uh, intertwined. Like, I remember you kind of getting that spotlight, and you, you mentioned this in the article as well, like the, the vicious comments that you'd get. As a result, because like you just said, too, and I had no idea, like, okay, I, I don't know what Twitter is. I barely know what Twitch is. And then all of a sudden, you're in this spotlight, second year of the thing, you win it. And there, there was that thing that really stood out to me, you know, essentially the idea of like, oh, how dare you be overweight or look like this on the Internet yeah. and be successful. Uh, but we, we fast forward to now and uh, dare I say the term glow up comes to mind. <laughs> um what changed? Like, was there yeah. a moment of realization? Uh, or I kind of presume this as well, like, f for you and your personal life, whether it be the mental, physical side, or both, were you aware that you wanted to make certain changes and one day you just woke up and started that journey? Uh, because it's been an awesome journey to watch from the outside in, I got, or, you know, you know, yeah, from the outside yeah, in. That's no, the way to absolutely. I gotta be honest. This this could, I would say, this 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 might run for a while, but basically, what you know, kind of uh, like when I when I was uh, getting into that that following season, it was like um, mm -hmm. I I was starting to do well in tournaments, and it became like just like a like playing in these tournaments became like an addictive feeling, like just the the energy rushes, the adrenaline rushes when you're you know top sixteen, top eight, top four. Oh, I lost top four. Okay, well I got you know next tournament I'm going to go top two, you know, and keep making baby steps. Um, and for me, I think it became um, it became like, just like a part of my life. You know, I, I made sure that like, um, I was playing and I wasn't necessarily playing NHL for, you know, eight hours a day. I might play for two or three or and then play like Fortnite or call of duty, whatever it is. Um, but all those, you know, games were helping me for NHL. And so, you know, the, I, I would say I didn't really realize how much it was impacting me on the outside um, until like way after like the tournament happened. And the reason I say that is because, you know, when you're in the moment um, of, let's say we'll even flash back to 
um, I think it was like January of 20, 2019. So six months prior to winning. And, um, you know, I, I'm playing eight hours a day. Um, I'm in school. I'm a, you know, I'm a college student. So I'm making sure the grades are all right. Um, but you know, your, my eating habits change, my social habits change. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't really go out with friends much anymore. Um, because I'm like, you know, Hey, I've, I've got, you know, hot champs this weekend. I've got to play 20 games and I've only, you know, it's, I got an assignment too on Sunday night at 11 and, you know, I got to find a way to get like, like the, the game became a priority, um, which, you know, for, for some people, like they can make that work. Um, you know, I, I don't think it like, I don't think it was necessarily, um, I mean, I made it work, you know, fortunately my grades were still very good. So like that was my own in my head. I was like, Hey, grades are good. So that's all that really matters. Um, but then we talk about, you know, you get into how, you know, your body changes without you kind of realizing it. And, you know, so, um, you know, I was never like a thin guy. I was always, you know, I always had to kind of had a stockier build, um, even through high school. And so, um, come into college and I'm in the dorm life, you know, I'm eating dorm food, which I mean, it's delicious. It, it tastes fantastic. <laughs> Obviously not the, the greatest food for you, but so, you know, I'm going to the, the, all you can eat, you know, dining halls, um, at college and, and I would, you know, just have a feast and I'd come back home, get my schoolwork done and then immediately hop on the game. So, um, that kind of repeated for, you know, that, that whole, I would say from maybe October of 2018, all the way through until, yeah, until the end of GWC, which would have been in June of 2019. And so it, and it's such a, you, you think about it, it's such a small window of time, you know, six month range. And you think to yourself like, you know, yeah, I'm not eating great. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not exercising. I'm you know, not, not really hanging out too much with your friends, but a lot can happen in those six months and you really don't realize it until you're, you're like too far gone is what I would like to say. So, um, for me, you know, kind of going into that whole experience, then you win, right. And you've got the, the memories, the excitement, um, and you know, that, that feeling where it's like it, it paid off. Um, and yeah, you know, I felt like it paid off in the moment, but like, I, I, you know, and honestly, if I could go back, um, I would do things a lot differently because it, you know, like I said, it, yeah, it paid off and it worked out. I, you know, got that top goal, but I don't think it actually fulfilled what I was like chasing after. Um, and I, and I think the, it really comes down to, I didn't realize really what I wanted kind of in my life, um, until after that, um, you know, getting it put into that scene, like you had mentioned where I wasn't familiar with Twitch. I wasn't familiar with, you know, Twitter and everyone and like having gaming accounts to, to share. So when you start getting, um, and I wrote about this in the blog, you know, when you start getting that sort of, a uh, little bit of fame, a little bit of publicity, you get some articles, um, some videos about you, you can tell yourself, you know, and me knowing like at that point I was, you know, I think I was, I peaked out like 245 pounds and I'm five, seven. So I'm, I'm small. Right. And so, um, I like, I already like kind of knew like, oh, I'm, I'm going to see some things about my weight. Just, you know, just don't read it. Like you're fine. And no matter how many times, you know, I, I tell myself that it's, you know, sure enough, I'm sitting there scrolling through comments, reading like, and you know, it, it really, you don't really think it would take a toll on you until you've kind of gone through that. And you, I don't, I don't know. Like you expect it, but you expect it's coming, but you don't really know how you're going to react until you experience that. So, um, for me, that was kind of like a really eye opening kind of experience. And I was just kind of like, I didn't realize, you know, how, how I kind of let my body go. Cause I was so just hyper-focused on being the best NHL player that I could. Um, so then, uh, you know, summer goes around, you know, I celebrate, you know, we do some promotional events, um, which we went to, uh, New York for those for, for the launch of 20 fantastic. But again, you know, I look at those photos and it's the same thing, you know, people commenting about my weight, 
Um, you know, and the one that stuck out, I mentioned the article too, or the blog is, you know, someone was like, oh, he won $50,000. Like, I hope he spends at least 10,000 on a, on a personal trainer. And I was just like, you know, I read it and then, you know, you've got a couple people that, you know, comment, you know, having your back. But when you see, Hey, this, this comment just had 500 likes and there's, you know, four or five people trying to back you up. Like it just, it feels bad. You know, it feels crappy. There's really no other way to put that. So, um, again, I know I kind of just went on a, a long, no, long rant there. So, um, no, it's but, perfectly yeah. fine. Um, and I think too, is with, with is a very cool, um, thing, just kind of learning from it was, so now that I kind of had gone through that, I'd seen kind of like the bad end of social media. Um, you know how there's, there's going to be people that no matter what you do, I mean, it doesn't have to it, wait aside. It could be just like how skilled you are, how funny you are, how entertaining. There's always going to be people that hate on you. And I mean, if you have haters, that's, that's a good thing. You're doing something right. Um, so, um, you know, I, I think I learned from that and I was like, you know what, how can I kind of like, just not only like, I, cause I don't, I, I didn't want to, you know, kind of change my lifestyle because of like the trolls, because that was, that was not the case. Um, it wasn't like I'm, I'm not letting them win. Um, it actually was kind of a, a funny story. So sleeves and, uh, and John Wayne, um, we like, were texting April. It was like right when COVID had started, like the, the, the first kind of quarantine, um, in March. And he was like, Hey guys, like I think sleeves, like guys, like, does anyone want to just go on like a workout grind and just like try to get in the best shape? Like, and I was like, at this, you know, like I said, at this point I was like 240 pounds and I, I had, you know, I had just been gaining weight since I ever left high school. I was like, yeah, like, sure. Like let's, I'm, you know, I'm down. I'm, I gave myself five or six diets. that didn't ever work. Maybe the seventh one will work. Um, and so we were trying to hold ourselves, hold each other accountable. So we had certain weight goals and, you know, if you didn't hit them, you might have to like eat some dog food on streams or, or, you know, drink a, a shot of hot sauce, whatever it might be. Um, fortunately, Endo, I never, don't, I, get I, any, I, don't get any yeah. ideas. Endo, please. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, this is not an advocate for that on this podcast. Um, but it was, you know, it, like it kept me accountable and I knew myself that I like, I didn't want to do any of those awful things. So it really put me to the grind and I was like, all right, I, like this weight thing is going to be, you know, my, my priority. Um, and that's where I guess you kind of tie it into think about it, how I was so hyper-focused on, you know, gaming the year prior that when it switched, like hyper, I became like so hyper focused on on. Nope. Kind of just and, needed that okay. that mental switch, um, that kind of mental switch to like fully check in and buy in, um, to then kind of change my lifestyle. But, um, and I know you know the more you know, and we can we can obviously continue to talk about it here. And, and um, for those who end up reading the uh, the blog piece, like one of my main things though is I want to preface this is that it's not to deter anyone from wanting to join into esports um or be a competitive player my the message behind that was to um well it might be there's a lot of glamour on the outside um it might seem very cool to kind of get that sort of publicity a lot of people don't talk about the bad things that come from it um, and i think that kind of gets overshadowed so that was kind of just me bringing light to the situation where yeah you're going to have a you know a ton of good things but on the other hand you're going to have a ton of bad things that come with it um at least at least for for my experience you may not experience you know any of the stuff that i go through or went through and that but at the same time you know i i it's it's likely if it's not for weight like i said it's going to be for your skill it's going to be for your entertainment value or you know how annoying you are as a person you know just someone's going to find something to to want to I mean, I'm, and then, too, I'm just going to say, 
you guys have probably had, you've seen, there's probably random haters on anything you do. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could be doing literally something great for the community, and they're still going to find a way to twist it on you, so. Um, I, in the past, (laughs) in the past 24 hours, um, I've been, I have been blamed personally. Uh, for a, a certain direction with NHL 22 in terms of <laughs> I'm the reason they focused on roster sharing instead of cross-play or cross-platform or <laughs> anything like that. Blame, so, huh? yeah. yeah, there's there's always something. You're not wrong about that. It's, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong in a sense either, right? Of, okay, people view it as, okay, in your instance, you played a video game for money and you won money, what's there to complain about? But like you said, the idea of, okay, well, I had to balance uh, trying to play, trying to still be successful at school, uh, my personal health, and hey, for you, the personal health started to slip a little bit because guess what? That's that's a lot to manage. And then at the same time, yeah, if you look online, it can be somebody just trying to knock you down because that's how it works. How dare you, uh, again, make yeah. money off of a video game. Exactly. It's the same thing for anyone who's a YouTuber or a streamer. It's like, oh, you, you know, in my instance, again, it's the it's the idea of, oh, like, oh, you play video games for money. But any streamer, for the most part, will tell you, like, yeah, but you don't really think about all the pressures that come along with that. And the constant, um, for most people in my experience that I've talked to, uh, the the fighting off of feeling inadequate in terms of am what I do you know am what I doing right now I, I can't speak what <laughs> I'm doing right now is that good enough am I good enough right now am I doing enough why did my view count drop by three percent over the past two weeks that three percent is that going to turn into ten and then the snowball effects are there so yeah I mean I I definitely get what you're saying and the idea of like hey guess what for you it it. You know, it was tough to balance all three. For some people, maybe not. For some people, it's like, oh, yeah. cool. The more pressure, the better, and they just thrive. And I think too, you know, what really because I, you know, I went to Ohio State, which was a, you know, the, the school has a ton of people, right? And so, um, you know, you just go around like if I'm walking to class or you know, going around the campus to um, go to my classes, like I, I see a bunch of people, right? And it and it's it's like when I let myself get to that point where I was just like I was physically just unhealthy it like it's from a social aspect and just like confidence aspect. Like I felt like I couldn't even like talk to people like certain, you know, if it's like, they look yeah. too cool for me. You're like, they're like, they're like, um, they're, those are like, you know, athletes over there. Like they're all like pretty jacked. Like they would be like, I, it'd be embarrassing for me to even walk by them. Right. Um, or, you know, same thing, you know, if I was, you know, I went out and, um, you know, there was, there was a time I remember this specifically, I remember sitting there, um, cause the campus was, was, is huge. So, um, there was a class that I was taking that was just super far away. And so the um, higher state has like bus routes that kind of roll through. Um, I remember like getting on the bus and I, I sat next to this woman, had a great conversation, um, super awesome to, to, to meet her and talk with her. And like, I just remember thinking to myself, like, yeah, like, like that'd be cool if I could like meet her again or see her again. Like I should like give her my phone number or something or like shoot her a text or something. And I remember just being like, I don't even want to ask because I'm, like, I, I don't even think I'm like good enough for her, you know, like it, and, like you get these scenarios put into your head that, you know, like, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's a wrong scenario, but your confidence has just changed so drastically that that becomes like yeah. your, your first instinct, you know, oh, I, I shouldn't really talk to them because they're, you know, they're, they're too pretty for me or they're too, um, you know, attractive to want to even talk to me. So things like that happen 
kind of a lot. And, and I know it's a little bit different. You know, I, I guess you can kind of even take it for, you know, like when you're looking at your analytics with, with streams and stuff, you drop a couple of viewers or it's like, like you said, the snowball effect, like I really hope it doesn't turn into, to, you know, five, 10, whatever it might be. Um, and it's really hard to get out of that stage of where you're looking at analytics or just kind of how you view yourself. Because once the confidence in yourself yeah. is gone, like it is going to go downhill, regardless of what you, what, you know, mm -hmm. how, how much videos you put out, how much, you know, from a social aspect, how many people you talk to, how much you put yourself out there. When the confidence is gone, everything is gone. I, yeah, okay. I, I can't agree with that. I, I can't agree with that anymore. Um, God. No, we we could keep up this specific conversation um, for for a while, yeah. honestly. And again, it's it's the reason it's the reason why I wanted you on the show because we've been <laughs> able to interact a couple of times, and I'm like, yeah. he he is perfect for this show because he can take a topic and just run with it, and it's You'll delightful. Have to get me on the mute button at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Uh, we will move on. I did have a third question here in particular, yeah. although if Endo, if you've thought of anything, hey, feel free to jump in here yeah. but i was gonna jump in right now actually uh, i was waiting for my cue <laughs> hey, all right take me. hold on hold on <laughs> yeah i can relate a By lot to like how to uh, not to uh, cookies the name's too similar i can uh relate to how like you kind of feeling a little bit um recently last year i scored an internship with a uh, tsn bar down and i went basically from like zero to like a hundred like super quick it was like yeah. you're here you're doing your thing and then bam now you're working with some of the biggest names in North America for internet content and sports and everything like that. And I personally, I, at first I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity. But sometimes when you get something and it just hits you, you're just kind of thrown at back by a little bit. The amount of like, yeah, yeah. The amount of like, situations where it's, you put something out there, you post something that's a little bit off or something's a little bit askew. The amount of comments and like stuff that go on you, it's like, it was ridiculous. I feel bad for guys it like, um, like Jesse Paul, who gets a lot of gets a lot of flack for his personality, but that's just him. That, that's just that's just right? the kind yeah, of guy he is. Himself. Yeah, he's and, a squid. It's it's <laughs> it, that actually puts me. You know, it's like you know, you want to be yourself. You want to show per, like you're you're that you're fun. Like you want to make someone smile, right? Like and you know, while you might have ninety five percent of people that you know, like, like they scroll through it, like that was hilarious. That can you know kind of made me chuckle, or whatever. And they <laughs> go on the five percent that just wants to make their voice heard. Like, oh, that was so stupid. How how embarrassing of him. Like like you, you're. I, remember, I actually remember uh, when the the when we had the the twenty twenty GWC because when COVID happened, it kind of like we qualified, then it kind of went on hold. But I remember I like posted a photo after I uh, like after qualifying, and I like showed my armpit, and it was just like drenched in sweat, <laughs> and my hair was a mess. I remember the picture. And I remember I remember saying like. This is what GWC does to you. And someone was like, dude, you're 22. Like, why are you posting this? I'm like, I'm like, I mean, I am 22. I get it. But like, that's, I don't know. It's kind of funny, right? Like, someone's going to get a kick out of it. So that's why I've kind of accepted this point. You know, you're not going to please everybody. Um, and that's just, yeah. that's life, right? You can't, can't make everybody happy. Um, as long as, you mm -hmm. know, what you're doing in your life is, is, is making you happy. Um, that's, that's the way to go. Because I can't, uh, can't stress that enough. Exactly. And uh, I'll add to that as well to say, because I mean, yeah, you just kind of took the words out of my mouth, right? Like eventually, I feel like most people are able to come to that conclusion of, I just got to be happy being who I am. And yeah, you, you're not going to be able to please everybody. And I had that realization, you know, content wise, where it's like, okay, I am who I am. You can't necessarily, you know, suppress any aspect of that, man, if who I am and my personality type is for someone cool. If it's not, 
then hey, it's just it's not. But like like you yeah. mentioned too, in terms of the negative side of things, it's very very difficult. I think in general to not focus on that like one to five percent of negativity because obviously that's what stands out. You get ninety five percent positivity, and it's like oh okay. That's great, but but why this five percent? Why why is this? Different? Why does it like so, sting to you? You know, it's it's and it's it's it's, it's, it's brutal. It's 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 one of those. I always compare it to like um, you know because I guess you get to the point where you know they because I guess you obviously you're going to have the people who support you right and and you always will um, and you know the the com you know like they're going to say hey great video too here you know hey Endo love the piece um, you know you get multiple of those it's like all right that's awesome you know I love the support. But the the one that's like you know, dude, like that sucked, or like what the like what the heck are you doing? Like that's like why are you even making that content? It's like a real jab to the chest, right? Like and, and it's just like I don't know why those one or two comments out of the you know hundreds stick out to you more than anything and just kind of stay in your head. But that's kind of you know the way it is, and I and, and or not the way it is, but that's how I think for most people the way it is. Um, and I think it's it's a hard learning thing to kind of accept that that you know especially being with everything so. Um, focusing online. I mean, now, I mean, like, this is like, we're just, great. I know it's kind of, it is 2021, so this technology is advanced, but just having a podcast like this, talking about this stuff, um, you know, having social media be so involved with our lives, I don't think people truly understand what goes into it until you're, like, involved, until you're fully invested into it. So, um, <laughs> I mean, God bless the trolls, but, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess, it's, I mean, every now and then a troll gives me some humor. I, you know, I do, I, I, mm -hmm. I am able to laugh at myself. It is funny at times, but I don't know, man. It, I mean, we're just, you're just rent free in those, those people's heads. So that's the way I look at it. I mean, Hey, they're, if they're not, uh, they're still talking about you, which is mean, Hey, they're sharing your stuff. Analytics going up, you can't complain. They, that's <laughs> exactly. exactly the standpoint I take, particularly on Twitch. Endo's well aware of this. I pretty much have for the most part, like a no ban policy on trolls. It's like, the, I mean, it, it comes off as egotistical, but for the most part, and I think once a creator realizes it, or even someone in your position where it's like, look, I'm yeah. just a guy who did well in a tournament to start things off and was still at the receiving end of this. At the end of the day, I mean, someone's interacting with you if your goal as a content creator is to be a content creator. Someone's interacting with you. Like you said, the analytics are going up. If someone's in a <laughs> Twitch chat trying to trash talk you, that just makes you look better. So it's it's oh, yeah. a lovely thing. It, it I, I feel sorry for people, you know, and sometimes things will always get to you. I won't downplay that and say it's perfect sure. and that there's there's never any downs. Like for someone in my position or higher up, there's never any downs. That's not true. But for the most part, it is uh, a very liberating feeling, uh, as you know, we've kind of alluded towards, right? The idea of just like, I am who I am. I'm not changing that. No troll's going to make me change that, but they can yell into the void and do their best. It's a very very liberating feeling <laughs> absolutely and i think too it's one of the things I, i've kind of just taken away from that is i almost compare it to you know professional athletes and i wonder that's that's something that i'll never experience you know i think of um you know like obviously you're not going to have hundreds of thousand people watching every nhl game i play right but i think about you know i get like even um you know it's like uh a, a player has a, a bad game in the NFL. And like, if you just go to like, they, they happen to tweet something like, you know, maybe they're doing like a sponsored post or something. And then literally every reply is like, F you, you lost me my fantasy game. Like, you know, you suck. How did you not complete that pass? Or how'd you like, and I'm like, you know, ours, the, what I kind of went through was on a smaller scale. Cause I, you know, obviously the yeah. sports and, and NHL was obviously not, you know, it's not the NFL level. Um, but it's like, I, I really, I really admire athletes in that sense. Cause they are not only are they, doing incredible things on the field, but just 
the mental side off the field has got to be a huge toll. And I think it's, you know, athletes really don't ever, I don't think they really speak on it much, but I, I mean, obviously some athletes will respond to some trolls, but I mean, when you're seeing that stuff over and over and over, it's tough. It's tough, man. For sure. So, Endo, unless you got anything else, we'll get to that, uh, that highly anticipated third question. <laughs> I've asked two questions, Endo added one. <laughs> That's been the show so far. <laughs> I was going to ask, that hot take with the Chipotle and the ranch, like, can you talk about that for a quick second? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this and I'll, I'll actually be kind of quick on this one because I could I could go on for 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 a long time on this. Uh, no third you know, question. It happened, uh, yeah, it happened. This is school. the new third um, question. My uh, my older brother, um, we would always like after practice. Um, we had practice around three or four o'clock. So after practice, we'd hit up Chipotle and just bring it home. Um, and uh, I don't know, like we had ranch at home, and he like just one time he took a bite out of his burrito. And then just kind of poured some on the on the burrito, and then took another bite, and I was kind of like, okay, like, yeah, like pass me the ranch, like I'll give it a shot. And uh, I'm not even kidding, like I I like Chipotle does not taste the same without ranch now. So uh, anytime I go to Chipotle now, and I know I'm not getting ranch, like I, I already know like my it's not going to satisfy me. Like it'll get the job done. I'll be full for lunch, you know, whatever. Get your proteins in, but it's it's just a combination. I think people are. People that say that they don't like it are just not trying it. It's simple as that. Like they just, you know, they're just saying it sucks for just to say it. I, because I actually challenge anyone if they try it, I promise you. Like I even told people on Twitter, I'm like, dude, I will literally pay for your burrito if you don't like it. Like I've, I have no problem doing it. Like because I am so <laughs> confident that people are gonna like it. So um, in this case, I would say for both of you, I mean, I don't know if you guys have had dinner yet, but would be a great, uh, great time to get some chipotle with the ranch. I'll order some. We still got a long right way now. to go in the show. And you just jinxed me for the rest of the show. Oh so thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get All to right, that. Uh, that, that lovely third. Go, yeah, this is this is definitely still the third question. <laughs> this week, October seventh, NHL twenty two is essentially out. The early access trial through EA Play is being released. What are your plans for this game? And uh, I guess in general, from what you've seen of the game so far, what do you think? Yeah, so I think for for individually, uh, I think what I'm going to do is, you know, I, I'm obviously a hut guy at heart. Uh, still going to play my hut, love my hut, no matter how much you know people want to troll about it. I love my hut, so I'm definitely going to be playing a ton of that. Um, it won't be, you know, I think it'll be more so similar to how the second half last year went. Um, just playing on my own time, you know, not, uh, you know, avoiding, you know, if I've got like things that come up in, in real life, I'm going to go to those first for firsthand and, and you know still enjoy my time off of you know work and things like that. Um, but it's going to be more so from a casual playing standpoint. Well, I still compete in tournaments. Uh, the plan is yes. You know, I, I'm too. I think I'm too competitive of a person to uh, you know to not. Um, and I would. I think this year too, just getting a lot more of just kind of like um, messing around with some sixes, some threes, just kind of uh, playing with some buddies or you know some teams. Because I I will say I, I had a ton of fun playing in the sixes events this past year, and I've never really been a sixes guy. Um, but I've always loved the, you know, the team aspect of, of sports and kind of, you know, working with your team and, and where you're going to have games where like, hey, this t- team across from us is, they're way more skilled than us. They're better than us. But like, we can still find a way to win this. Like, we, you know, it, it's the, the gritty ways of playing the game. And I think that's what makes hockey so unique. You know, you can have a very lopsided game um, and still win. Um, and so... I don't know. I think that's going to be for me. I, I will do a little bit more, I think a little bit more content pieces um, just because I think it's a little bit more 
um, accessible for me doing more so content as opposed to like having to grind and grind and trying to be, you know, this best competitive player I can be. Um, and, uh, but for 22, I, I'm excited for it. And, and here's, here was my take on it. And I know, you know, we got to play the beta a bit and kind of check it out. Um, and I, I'm curious on what people think, because my thought process is, you know, from playing the beta and I know it was sixes. So we were kind of, uh, we didn't get to play much one V one. Um, it seems like it's going to be a lot more chess like as opposed, and what I mean by that is, you know, just kind of like, um, being smart with your plays rather than like more skilled. So maybe playing the more conservative play, um, over the more aggressive play, um, more, you know, going for more deflections or some, some greasy goals as I like to call them, um, over the, you know, the toe drags to the dangles, to the, you know, snipes, whatever it might be. Um, I, I'm interested interested to see how one v one plays, um, and especially obviously there's going to be you know some sort of meta that comes out and how people want to play it. Um, but I just think that like this this year's game with the changes is going to I think this this game is going to be the most changed we've seen since what since we went to what Xbox One back in 2015 I want to say um, you know even just from the you know from from playing the beta it just like the the it just feels different it feels very refreshing yeah. and I think that's what's most important for me is that refreshing aspect where you know, again, kind of going back to the trolls, you know, the Spider-Man meme of NHL 18, 19, 20, you know, saying New it's all the same. favorite like, meme to post. Yeah. Shout out to, Han- yeah. Shout out to Hannock, who will never miss an opportunity to post one of those memes either. Always uh, on top. I love it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it just feels different. And I, you know, I'm yet to, I don't know if I'm going to like it more or less or what it might be, but, um, the beta just felt refreshing. And I think that having that aspect is going to be huge. Obviously, I know you're thrilled about the roster sharing, um, being, you know, with, I'm hoping we can get that kind of like a, um, you know, I, I hope people just start flooding rosters. Cause I remember one of my favorite things, um, back in, like NCAA days, you know, someone would like made like my high school team, my football team. And like, it was like super cool to play with, you know, like with the people I went to class with every day. Right. Um, you know, just fun stuff like that. You're going to have created rosters and, um, you know, for the more in depth people in two, this might actually be right up your alley too. I like having like, um, you know, like an updated, super, super updated roster updates. Um, like I know I had a buddy of mine, um, Robinson, uh, renegades, I think on Twitter. I think is what this thing is. Yeah, if he ends up listening to this, shout out to him. He was, you know, he because when I we watched the Jackets games, right? As a Jackets fan, I watched I watch all their games. Um, and like Eric Robinson to me is like one of the fastest guys in the league. Um, he's a young guy, guy's super speedy, and like every you know every time we get an update out, he's like eighty two speed because he's like a seventy four overall or something. <laughs> you know, he's low. Mm-hmm. And he I was he was texting me or he was DMing me on Twitter. He's like, he's like. Like, why is Eric Robinson so slow? I'm like, dude, I, trust me, I don't know. I'm right there with you. So, um, out of the roster updates will be very awesome. I think um, I believe tomorrow or six or seventh when they're having the in depth. There's like a hut hut preview. Yeah. Is it yeah. tomorrow? Is it tomorrow uh, or is it Wednesday the sixth? Yeah. Wednesday the sixth. So I'm excited to see that. See what you know, kind of changes happen, and, and kind of see how the hut goes. Just from you know me being a hut guy. Um, and I don't know, like I, I have very, very high expectations for this year and I, and I, and this, that's generally, and I've always kind of kept my, you know, tongue in my mouth when it comes to like being like, Oh, you know, it's going to be the best game since, you know, NHL. This 12, is your is. year cookie. Yeah. It's your year. <laughs> this is, this is everyone's year. I think this, this game <laughs> is going to be the most complete game. I think we've had in a long time. Um, it's my nice year. Is, let's be honest. <laughs> Roster yeah, yeah, this, was yeah, added. It's my year, everybody. <laughs> 
And I, I think it's got a lot for everybody. And I tell you what I really appreciate it. And I think a lot of people, I saw people speak on it too, is having those um, where the devs would come on and speak. I think Henrik and Sleeves um, kind of talk to the devs and say, hey, these changes happen. Can you talk, tell us more about that? And I think having that sort of connection um, with community is huge. Mm -hmm. um, keeping that communication up throughout the year. Um, I expect it to keep, to keep that way. I hope it stays that way. Um, because always having a voice, you know, in the community, right? Yeah, <laughs> right? Keeping it, uh, yeah always keeping that, uh, that communication open is perfect. Having, making sure that you felt heard as a community, you know, as a community. So, uh, but that was another long rant. Like I said, it's going to happen. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. What do you like? Are, what's, what's kind of stood out to you guys? What has been something that you're most excited for, or maybe, maybe like a little disappointed in, or, um, would love to hear your, hear your thoughts. Well, I'll, I'll let Enno go in a second, but I will say I made a note of uh, Eric Robinson speed uh, once I get to <laughs> yeah, the editing process. Out, but check out some games um, of him, and, and you'll be you'll be like, "Wow, that guy flies!" Yeah, I mean, trust me. Like for me, obviously, like, the roster sharing thing is 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 the big deal, and you're you know thought of like, "Hey, like a daily update." Like that's that's the plan, at yeah. least if not every other day, because EA has been so limited to a. Um, yeah, you know, it's like a, a, a bi-weekly, a bi-weekly update schedule endo, which is, which has been an issue. Like, oh, okay, cool. I gotta wait two weeks to hope this guy got an update, and it, it just doesn't happen. But uh, endo, I mean, we played a decent amount of the beta together. I want to know what you think. Um, aside from you uh, yelling at the rest of us uh, about like it's not like twenty one, like stop doing the same stuff that works then. It was a lot of fun. It was. I'm not sure if it was fun because it was a new experience. It was fresh or just because we finally got to have something that was more like realistic, kind of like a simulation. I think it's, this has been the most uh, simulation kind of like hockey. I noticed a lot of the EA sports IPs are getting to that similar route. <laughs> Madden, definitely not a simulation at all. Holy, uh, but um, <laughs> we're, we're getting to that route where um, I think people are finally going to be happy with everything. I said on Twitter that, the biggest, the biggest takeaway I could take from the beta, at least if it stays the way, it's it seems like a mix of NHL 2K10 and NHL 14 in that same realm where it's, you have the realism, you have a little bit of still kind of elements that are kind of arcadey, uh, but it's just a nice mesh. You have to be cautious with your passes. You have to make sure you're not going too far off the ice getting caught back. Uh, it's just, I think it's going to be a good year. I'm excited to see how the HUD stuff is going to be. I never really cared about Hut realistically. Like, don't shoot me. Yeah. But I think um, I'm starting a new series this year where I try and spend no money whatsoever and no coins. So I want to see how far the oh, yeah. internal. Oh, okay. Yeah, I want to see how far the internal infrastructure of Hut can take me without spending an entire thing. And then maybe eventually, if I feel confident enough, I'd take all the winnings that I have and dump it on the GWC. There you go. Yeah, I mean, and I think what you what's kind of stood out to me too is kind of that simulation versus arcadey feel, and I think that's kind of an argument for that, like the community. I think you'll have people who say, you know, I want a more arcadey game because it's it's more, you know, the skilled player always wins. Where on the other hand, you're going to have, you know, I want I, you know, you'll have people who say I want more of a realistic thing. You know, if I'm going to like actually dump the puck in or, or you know shoot for a rebound and score, you know, purposely going for rebound goals or, or deflections, you know, what it might be where it's not the most skilled. Um, and I think that's where, you know, you kind of say it, it's that fresh feeling. I, I think um, having these changes is going to be something that it's going to take people to get used to. And I, and I, this is where my, my kind of hope is. I hope that 
EA waits to like make adjustments, like like let it kind of sit for a little bit, let people readjust because you know even in the beta, I mean, there was the same habit of people wanting to like doing some back skating and some some you know backhand toe drag passes that are used to be rocket passes that don't work anymore. And I just hope that there's at least that time you know where people can say, hey, we need to adjust. It's not the game that's broken. It's me. <laughs> like I like I need to stop you know trying to force this or, or do that. So. Um, and I've, you know, I've kind of been a proponent, whereas, you know, coming from a competitive scene, um, I've actually not been a proponent for, um, you know, the, the kind of arcadey feel. And, you know, and what I compare that to is like back in 19, when like the backskating and like the sharp backskating turns were like viciously overpowered. Yeah. Out was of like, control. Like it was insane. You know, even watching competitive, you know, games, everyone's just like half, you know, kind of like half skating up the ice. And from, I mean, I, did I, did I love it? Hell yeah, I loved it. I was really good at it. Like that was one of my, you know, I really enjoyed it. But I knew for like just the overall being of the game, that was that needed to go. So that was one of the things I voiced even after even after that tournament. I was like, hey, like I know I like it's good, it's fun to use, but like this needs to like this needs to go away from the game because like people are going to be upset. It's not, you know, you don't ever see people just half the half the time skating backwards into the zone, you know, and what they're doing. So. Um, but no, I've got high hopes for 22, um, I, and I think too, it, it's obviously it's unfortunate with the kind of like the split with the four consoles um, that we're going to have to go through. Yeah. So that'll be really interesting to see, um, just like marketplaces for HUT, um, you know, franchise mode and things like that. Obviously, aren't going to have too much of a difference um, with yeah. the con- you know the consoles because it's going to be offline. But um, it'll be really interesting to see how just the online play kind of goes. You know, I think with one v one last year, general consensus was, hey, one v one is going to be played on PS4. And you know, six is our Xbox. So, with everything with the shortages going on, you know, fortunately, I was I was able to get a Series X um, a couple months ago. It took me about seven tries, but we got one. So um, that's where I'll be. I'm I'm, for, I'm happy to be on the Series X. But you guys, you guys been able to snag one yet? Or get any of the? Yeah, I was able. I was able to get mine relatively early. I think Endo just settled for the S. Uh, yeah, I snagged an S day one. I paid fifty dollars extra, but the guy had an extra one. So I was like, all right, cool. I don't really, I don't really. But I yeah, am that, probably, yeah. yeah, I'm probably gonna upgrade to the X and give Paulina my Series S so she can play. She wants to play on HL, so I'm like, all right, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I will say too, like the the biggest complaint. We'll, we'll move on to uh, some other stuff here as well. Yeah, yeah. As uh, I think we've already about used up half of our time with you, but that's perfectly fine. <laughs> um, the idea, though, I think a lot of people have been really harsh on EA and call me the bootlicker if you want to. But the idea <laughs> of the cross gen cross plat, they would have needed to have seen COVID lasting as long as it has, as seriously as it has, because nobody predicted yeah. console shortages to this extent a year into the you know into the console's life cycles like it's ridiculous i mean i still i've never seen a series x in the wild i've never seen a ps5 in the wild i've seen a couple of s's but i don't think anyone really could have predicted this people forget too like it was tough to get your hands on a switch for the vast majority of 2020 like it's just it's it's an unprecedented situation i think is the best way to um to cover it you make a great point too. I even think even I think even the the Xbox Ones and PS4s at first were kind of tough because I remember yeah my, uh, they were flying because yeah, people like, were like oh we can't go anywhere I might as well get one finally yeah like I remember uh, I remember even when it launched which this is gonna make me feel old but when did the uh, Xbox One launch October twenty thirteen October twenty thirteen because I remember my dad uh, he got me it for Christmas and uh, it was at the time he literally went to like 
seven different targets within Ohio to find one. Finally got one. So like I was obviously thrilled. But it happened to be like the time when like Target, I don't know if you guys ever heard about this, but like Target like got like millions of credit card numbers stolen, like around the holidays. I remember that, I yeah. About that, yeah. And yeah, my dad was one of them. So he's oh, like, no. he was like, I remember he was like, damn it, Matt, like what? Like, like you know, because he had to just get all the stuff reset and everything. And um, he's like, all oh, for a you know, freaking Xbox. And then sure enough, five years later, six years later, gaming kind of became part of my life. So in other words, I guess it was kind of worth it. Dad, I guess kind of works. Shout out to Target. Yeah, everything worked out. We're missing the mark. Let's go. <laughs> so I will say, first and foremost, we're gonna have to have you back in a couple of months to talk about NHL Absolutely. 22 and your thoughts on it. At that point, that'll be great. I want to move us kind of. Uh, I, ha- I have a little section here that's kind of a natural segue from video game to real hockey. Uh, and that is to talk about, and when I talked about EA NHL 22 ratings for goaltenders and defensemen, and leading up to today, uh, the top 10 skaters for center and both wing positions were released. I'm and pull those we'll up start, right now, too. Feel free. I mean, I got them here in front of me as well, and uh, we'll read them off, right? We'll start off at center, which was announced today. Uh, highest rated player, he is the highest rated player in the game. Surprise, surprise, at a 95, it's Connor McDavid. There's no controversy there. We move on. I guess people could say he should be a 99, but then we get into the debate of how good is his defense actually, and shouldn't a 99 be a perfect player? And it's not really worth that discussion, <laughs> at least not right now. Uh, then you have a trio of McKinnon, Crosby, and Dreisaitl, all at a 93. You could argue a point or two here and there, but the idea is they're still amongst the elite players in the league. Again, I don't see a disagreement there either. Uh, You have Austin Matthews at number five as a 92. No disagreement from me on that one. Uh, Patrice Bergeron and Jack Eichel, both at a 91. Uh, I guess this is uh, healthy Jack Eichel, uh, out of Buffalo Jack Eichel. Uh, And then... The reason why I wanted to bring up these centers is the bottom three. You have Sasha Barkov at a 90. Well-deserved. Anze Kopitar still kicking in at a 90. Is this podcast still number one in Slovenia? I don't know, but we still have Anze Kopitar around here. (laughs) And then Steven Stamkos. The top response is, number one, he's more of a winger now. And then the second response I saw was, how is he in over Braden Point? The Braden Point disrespect. That was the first thing Again. that came to mind. Is is Braden yeah. Point not being there? Is 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 pretty wild. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. So you go ahead, keep keep going there. I mean, again, though, my my response to this on Twitter was uh, simply, uh, "Hey, just wait until December," <laughs> because these conversations <laughs> don't matter as much at this yeah. point. I mean, they'll affect versus and everything like that. But that that was an interesting one, but not quite anything like uh, prior years where Drew Doughty was still kicking around over a ninety overall. Thank There's God nothing egregious there. There's no legacy yeah. rating there. Uh, yeah. For left wings, although go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I think overall, I here's here's my take on the centers. I I definitely point to me should be in the top ten. Um, I think everything you know. I actually think Austin Matthews. Um, might actually be more so in, in the 93-94 range. Personally, I think just his scoring ability gets him up there. Um, mm. And actually, I think, I, you know, I think Barkov is better than the 90. And I want to hear your thoughts. Because I, like, I, I watch a little bit more of Florida stuff, um, you know, their games because of, like, Wenberg and Duclair going there, being, like, Jackets previously. So, like, yeah. I watched them play a good amount. And 
you, I mean, you still see just ridiculous plays from Barkov and just that, you know, he's, he's that tall centerman. He's a, you know, plays both sides very well. A 90 seems kind of low to me. I don't disagree. <laughs> I think it's, um, I, I, I think it's a little bit of uh, anti-Florida bias. Personally, I think it's going on for both teams to not have Braden Point Actually, a little yeah. bit higher rated there either. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's that, that was an interesting one for me though too. Was Barkov kicking in at a ninety? Um, again, not that I not that I dislike Anze Kopitar, but I would take Barkov over Kopitar at this yeah. point and for the next decade, of course, because hey, Anze's getting up there. Speaking of getting up there, we get to the left wings and uh, Alex Ovechkin, uh, the ageless wonder, is the highest rated left wing. At a 92. And then right behind him, you have Brad Marsh on a Termi Panarin at 91. Should either one of them, if not both, be higher rated than Alex Ovechkin? I know my I know my response. Uh, so I think if you're going to take like a um, overall player, I think... Uh, it's tough because here, here's my thing. Um, you know, obviously Ovechkin's... You know, you could argue he's the greatest goal scorer of all, of all time. Um, his, yes. if we're looking at like individual attributes, he 100% deserves to have the best shooting out of anybody, hands down. I'll, I'll die on the throne to that. Right? Um, yep. That is for sure. He's the best shooter, in my opinion. Um, but I think if you're looking at overalls player, I think like Panarin probably. I would actually probably argue that Panarin could be the best winger. Um, Huberto could be up there as well. Um, and I, yeah, I know Tugi, I know you're a Boston guy. Like, and as as much as you know, from the from having the series against the the Jackets in Boston a couple years ago, as much as I don't like Brad Marchand, I respect him as a player. He's a great player. He's a fantastic guy. That's um, that's all we ask from this fan base, that's right? All we like, ask. I mean, you know, because because you you know, it, you know damn well that everybody who says, oh, he, you know, what people like always, oh, he's a rat. Like, get him off the team. Like, he earned it. He, he would, you would love him on, like, I would love him on the jackets. Like, exactly. straight up, like, every team would love to have him. It's just, he's that one guy that everyone just, it's so hard to play against. So, um, but to have Ovechkin as the first left winger, I would say more so third or fourth. I think that's fair at this point. Endo, any disagreement? I, I think so too. I mean, uh, Ovi's been kind of like for the past, like, he's still like a dynamic, like, player in the offensive zone, but. I don't really see him playing much defense. He is a little bit older. Uh, he obviously is known for that shot, and, and I think he's, he's more looking to break the record as soon as possible if he can. So I think maybe maybe number number one, I don't know. See, I think, too, something that we're underrating this year now is X-Factors being in the game because it can allow someone like an Alex Ovechkin to have a lower overall but still have that dynamic offensive ability right. that he still has. And I think we're going to slowly transition into that. I can't say for certainty or with certainty uh, why, you know, things are the way they are with certain guys still having higher overalls. I feel like a lot of it's, you know, connected to trade value within franchise mode because what happens if you make Alex Ovechkin an 89? Yes, he still has great offense, but does that drop the value too much? There's a whole balancing game behind the scenes that they're they're definitely playing there. Uh, for other left wings, Huberto is at a 90, so he's fourth amongst left wings, which, again, deserved. Uh, I'll mention these three. Kirill Kaprizov, Kyle Connor, and Matthew Kachuk, all at an 88. Uh, that might be the fastest ascension to an 88 overall since, like, NHL 2006. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, 100%. I, yeah. And, it, it, you know, he really took off. I think for me, I really took notice of him getting towards the end of last season um, and, you know, seeing some of the highlights. I mean, he is a stud. But just for how ratings go, get, yeah, like you said, getting to an 88 that quickly because he probably what was maybe a, an 80 or an 81, like late end of last year. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. That's a that's a. I mean, I think Austin Matthews, even after his rookie season, was still like an eighty-seven or an eighty-eight. Then um, that following season, so um, yeah, no, you're spot on there. Uh, I will say Connor Kachuk also both where they should be. I would say up in that ranking. Uh, then we have Johnny Goodrow, Gabe Landeskog, and Jake Gensel. The disrespect to Jake Gensel was my was my first assessment. I think this is one of the more underrated approach like underrated uh, you know kind of players in the game i don't know if it's a matter of uh the people behind the scenes with the ratings thinking he's just a product of Sidney crosby but this is this is just as disrespectful if not more than Braden point not being on the list to me yeah no that's a great point too and i think from you know obviously the, the penguins being a huge rival I, I got to see a lot of the games in person um whenever the jackets played uh pittsburgh and columbus um and i can definitely say like him and gensel or, or gensel and crosby work extremely well together you know it's like it's like it feels like they've been playing i know they have been playing for years now but like they just have that connection that you know you wish your your top line always had um, and maybe, like you said, maybe that's part of it. Maybe they feel like, well, hey, maybe Crosby's carrying more of a, of a heavy load. And then I'd have to really check to see what, like, um, you know, statistically speaking, and I know it's not all about analytics and stats, but, like, how Jake Gensel performs when Crosby's, like, not on the ice or not on his line. And maybe that had to do something with it. I don't know. That's, that's above my, you know, above my knowledge. But who knows? Good, very. I mean, that's, it is always interesting to look at stats like that, right? Like, okay, you have a, I mean, especially someone like Crosby who has the reputation of making everyone around him better, uh, allowing Pittsburgh to spend money in other places along, you know, the way to winning cups. So, does he still do the, uh, the 8.7? Yeah. 8.7 million for his, uh, I think his contract. Yes, sir. I think yeah. it was like a superstition. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. Yep. That deal expires. I mean, that, like I said, it keeps cap room open, keeps space open. So, he has three years left on a deal, still so. worth an 8.7 cap hit. He's 34. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Dude, yeah, I think I actually got you on mute for a sec. Yeah, I think you're, you hit your mic. Oh, oh, we're good. Oh, we go. Yep. <laughs> hey, well, there we go. Gotta yeah. love it. It's, it's the one thing, man. We're doing podcasts a little bit differently than we used to. There's one button I got to avoid, but it's it works for what else I'm doing in the background. Anyway, yeah, Crosby is at, um, yeah, yeah he's, he's got three more years left at 8.7 at 34 years old. It's a cheat code, Penguins fans. Are very spoiled. Yeah. Uh, the right wingers as well. Uh, we'll we'll round this off. Patrick Kane, Nikita Kucherov, both at ninety twos. Do we agree with this? Because I don't know how I feel. Uh, I still think I, I actually do like Kane at at at, at one. Um, I still I still think he's the most dynamic um, winger in the game. Just can can score in any moment. Can throw you know a wicked pass. Obviously, Kucherov can score from anywhere. Um, I think Mark Stone maybe being an 89 might be a little low. Um, and the only reason I say that is because, um, granted, he's he's a great two-way winger. Like, he, defensively, he plays very, very well. Um, and I think maybe just attribute-wise, it's hard to, you know, bump people up through their defensive play. But um, I do like Pasta at, at 91. I think that's perfect. Um, if it was, like, postseason edition, I'd say bump him up to 93, 94. I swear he turns it on <laughs> when it matters. So, um I don't know. I, I think 
I was actually thinking earlier about Wheeler, and then Shifley's a center, so that actually makes sense. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think so this is this is the this one is pretty good. The one exemption. So the rest of the list is uh, Ranton and Martyr at 90s. No disagreement. They could be even be higher. Stone at an 89. Alex DeBrinkett at an 88. There were some Hawks fans saying, oh, well, Kane and ADB aren't in the same spot. Secondary positions are a thing. Uh, Wheeler at an 88. Svechnikov and Besser at 87s. Um, I, I think a lot of Jets fans would say drop Blake Wheeler and bump up Nick Ellers. I think Nick Ellers is another yeah. one of those guys alongside Braden Point who is uh, still very, very much not getting the respect he deserves. Right. And then Kyle Connor, I would say he's a left wing. I think he is. I would say he is yeah, he was on the left wing list. list. Yeah. I would say, yeah. yeah, and that's another, you know, another point. He's, he's always been pretty quiet. And I don't know if it's because of, like, maybe just the, the media isn't as much in, in Winnipeg, like just having as much eyes on him. Um, but just looking at the score sheets after, you know, every, it's like you look at goals, it's like, oh, if, you know, if, if Shifley or Wheeler scores, it's probably coming from the Ehlers or, you know, um, power play goal from, you know, assist from Ehlers. So I know for at least playing in the game, he's actually one of my favorite cards to use. It's, he's just a cheaper hot card and super fast. So um, I wish, that is the one player I, I do wish I would have seen. Cause I think, I don't think I've ever seen Winnipeg play in person. It'd be really cool to see them all play together. Um, in for especially putting Wheeler out there is what six six. I mean that's got to be a fun line to play on. Absolutely. So, boys, anything else to add, or shall we move on to our Metro Division breakdown here, which we might have to scurry through a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'll say, Cookie, as we get closer towards the uh, towards the time that we said, oh yeah, this will probably be our recording time. If you have to say, hey, I gotta go, then by all means, yep. feel free to interject. Actually, well, I'm going to throw something out there real quick, too, if Go you're ahead. cool with it. I actually have a very um, strong opinion about the defenseman for 22. Um, By all means, defensemen so, or goalies, any takes? Yeah, so so kind of, in, and I'll kind of, you know, 92 overall with Victor Hedman being the, the best in the league. Um, Roman Yossi had a 90, same with John Carlson. Um, then Petrangelo and Kale McCarr, um, 89 and 88, respectively. Dougie Hamilton also an 88. Um, is it Shabot or Shabbat? How do you pronounce that? Shabbat. I always, I always Thomas guess. Shabbat. Shabbat? Thomas Shabbat, 88. Um, McAvoy, Adam Fox, and Lorensky at 87. So my first thing is I think Seth Jones should be on this top 10. Um, and I also think that Lorensky is a little lower. I think he I think he actually should be – like I think he's low for this. I think he should probably be more so an 88 or an 89 um, in my opinion. Um, I like Dougie Hamilton up there. Um, I love Kale McCarr. I think he is one of the most, if not the most talented defenseman um, in the league. Guy just makes things happen out of out of nothing. It's it's just as a pure skater, he's unbelievable to watch. Um, I think I, I actually think other than Seth, I think Seth Jones should be on this list, maybe ahead of Sartugi, maybe ahead of McAvoy. I think it's pretty good. I don't know. What are your, what are your guys' thoughts? Your opinions are very much against the grain of analytics, is what I'll say. But Seth Jones is arguably the most polarizing player in the league from an on-ice perspective. He is one of those guys where he might be the poster boy right now for having watched him play an 82-game season, eye test versus analytics. Um yeah. The McAvoy shout's a little bit disrespectful, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, there's there's some disrespectful ratings there. I think Adam Fox, after that Norris season last year, probably deserves to be higher than that, especially 
Kaprizov is higher rated than Adam Fox. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Calder versus winning a Norris at that point, you know, that's it's one of those that surprised me. But I can't hate on the Seth Jones take because, again, he's just such a polarizing player, and it's going to be the next couple of seasons now that he's in Chicago that really dictates who was on the right side, I guess, for lack of a better term, at this point in time in terms of how people feel about Seth Jones. Yeah, and you make a great point about that kind of eye test versus analytics because I think, you know, as obviously someone who is a Jackets guy, I watch a lot of the games and, and, you know, he's playing at least 30 minutes, you know, a night. So just the pure ice time being out there, it's like obviously you're bound to have a little bit more. Your your plus minus is definitely going to be lower the more you're out there. Um, But, you know, I think with some of the young talent we had in Columbus, um, it may, you know, it was kind of a, a necessity to have those guys out there all the time. So I'm hoping this year, like, and I expect Seth Jones to have a great year. Um, in Chicago, I think he's got a great supporting cast there with him. Um, super excited because he gets to play with Caleb too. So um, that's going to be super fun to watch. Um, and like you said, like this year will be kind of can they prove like that eye test versus analytic test? Like, does it really, you know, is there really a, a difference there or a matter there? So I'm excited for it. Interesting enough. Endo, anything else to add, or shall we get into that division breakdown here? Uh, no, I think you guys make good points. I think it's a little bit of a. Uh... Uh, Columbus blue bias there from Cookie, but uh, it's fine. <laughs> Time will tell. <laughs> so with that, uh, we will stick with the format that we've been going with here. Uh, I have been naming teams in reverse order for where I think they will finish in a particular division. By at least looking at the team on paper, looking at Cap Friendly, seeing their projected depth chart. Again, it might not be perfect. But looking at the team, looking at their options, and seeing where I think they're going to finish. So in terms of the Metro Division, the team that I have finishing in last year, and the first team that we will discuss, Cookie, you want to take a guess? (laughs) Yep, the Columbus Blue Jackets, baby. You had a look on your face like you kind (laughs) of already knew. Uh, so let's quickly, let's quickly, uh, I'll go over the moves that they've made yeah. this off season. We'll kind of set the stage here. Uh, and especially we'll let cookie run with this one. Um, and just kind of discuss everything. So in terms of moves that have been made this off season, obviously the big move of dealing Seth Jones to the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, for Adam Boakfist and a pick that became uh, Cole Sillinger, especially. I mean, there were some other picks involved, but that's a hell of a deal. Uh, they acquired Jake Bean for the 44th overall pick in the draft from Carolina. They ended up taking uh, a Finn named Alexi Helmosalmi, which is a really fun name to say. And then one of the more surprising moves of the offseason, uh, the one-for-one deal, Cam Atkinson and Jake Voracek, and I feel like I can still see Cookie's heart just break in half. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Even through the webcam here. In terms of other players uh, that have joined the team, he was mentioned earlier, Sean Corrali comes over from the Boston Bruins. Uh, they lose Gavin Bayreuther to Seattle and then get him back anyway because what the hell Seattle's? What are they doing? Nobody knows. We'll be talking about them on Friday, by the way. Uh, good friend of the show, one sin for the win. He'll be back on Friday to talk about the Sharks, so don't worry. You're not the only one who's going to be incredibly sad. That might be a spoiler for where I have the Sharks ranked in the Pacific Division. But they didn't really have too many big additions to the team outside of the trades that I already mentioned. 
And in terms of departures, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of the big departures happened in the middle of last season anyway. Nick Foligno, David Savard, those guys moving on. The Jones deal happened. So aside from that, we, we pretty much kind of have the, the outlook here for the Blue Jackets. I'll, I'll give my piece in a moment as to why I have them in eighth. But Cookie, let's let's give your general thoughts about the team, and then we'll we'll kind of break yeah. it down a bit further. So obviously, you know, as somebody who's going to be passionate about it and have high expectations um, for the team, you know, I think uh, understand uh, like on paper, and, and I totally understand why you have them to where where they you know being at the bottom there. Um, I think you're obviously not alone in that. I think a lot of people do, um, but I think you know there's a lot of people that um, have you know high hopes for this team, and the reason why. You know, uh, Jake Vorchek actually said it himself after, uh, I think it was after a preseason game or maybe over practice in the offseason. Uh, he said, you know, if Yarmo wanted to to fully rebuild this team, he wouldn't have traded for me. You know, like I wouldn't have been brought here. Um, and I think that there's still a lot of offensive talent with this team and Voracek and Laine and Rosovich. Um, you know, Bjorkstrand, I think, is probably, you could argue, he's one of the most underrated players across the entire league. Um, guy just can, I feel like he scores every night for us. So um, I think offensively, I think we're going to be okay. Um, I think we'll be solid there. What worries me about um, the, the Blue Jackets is their defensive depth. Um, obviously, you have Arensky. Um, it's going to be a stud. He'll be on the ice a ton. Bockfist is going to be, Bockfist is going to be good. Uh, Bean's going to be good. Um, but I don't know if we have, you know, like you said, losing Savard, someone that hurts. Um, you know, Gavrikov is going to have to step up and play some more um, solid minutes for us. So, um, on the now, on on the bright side, though, on the back end, which you know, like they say, build your team from the goalie out. I think we have two of the most outstanding goalies in the league, and I think from a starting and backup standpoint, you could argue it's the best tandem. Because um, I, I can tell you, I feel confident whether it's Corpusalo or, or Merzlikens coming in. So um, Merzlikens obviously started off his career a little rough, but I think you know what that streak last year he went. I think it was like ten was it ten wins in a row or something something absurd, um, and it, it's it's promising for them. Um, it does kind of you know it's 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 without being said like eventually we're gonna have to choose one goalie. I think I hope it's not this season. I hope it's not next season. I hope we don't ever have to go that route. But um, I think that's gonna be our, our main thing is defensively just needing to tighten up, work things. Um, if we're gonna win games, I think they'll be relatively low scoring, three two two ones. Um, just some, some typical jack of hockey, right? Just grit and grind and find a way to get it done. But my prediction, just for the record, I think we are getting the second wild card spot. I don't totally rule them out. And though before turning it over to you, Cookie, your thoughts on Brad Larson being the new head coach of this team, by the way. Yep. Uh, I'm actually, I'm actually glad you brought that up because, uh, I'm actually, I, I love it. Um, and the reason, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, because Brad Larson, you know, he runs the power play, and power play is last in the league. Why is he, you know, the head coach of this team? But here's the thing. And then what I, I remember tweeting about it this summer, I said, if anyone in that locker room knows those players, it's going to be Brad Larson. He has been with the team for a while. He's seen how these players have grown, um, you know, for better or worse under, the, under Tortorella, um, for, you know, just how in terms of their play styles changing, um, I'm trying to adapt to, to Tortorella's system. Um, and, you know, what really stood out to me is when, when they announced Brad Larson getting hired, um, it was Line Atkinson, and I can't remember the third guy, um, came out to the, like, to the actual press conference um, in support of him. Mm. And I think that really shows, you know, not only that was it the right pick for the job, but if the players are behind it, then I think it can only go up from there. You know, I think you've got, you've got the right guy in the room. 
He knows the players. He knows their tendencies. Um, and, you know, I think this year, too, he's, like, saying that, uh, you know, like, everyone wants to give Line A, you know, kind of uh, under the torch system, saying, oh, Line A's, you know, he's, he's tough and he's a goal scorer. He doesn't play too much defense. I think what's going to be nice is Larson's going to let players, you know, do what they're good at and, and kind of, like, live with their results. It means we're scoring a lot. That's fine. We better clean it up defensively. But, you know, like I said, there's no difference, in my opinion, losing a 1-0 game or 5-0. You know, it's, it's still a loss at the end of the day. So I think uh, it is a great hire. I'm happy for it. And I do um, – I think he'll be here for a while. Endo, general thoughts on the Blue Jackets, or should I take over here and have you chime in as I go along? Uh, I think they're – they look like – they could be – yeah, I don't know how to speak. You, you speak. <laughs> <laughs> I tried speaking. My tongue was like, no, no, let Tuki take it. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so offensively, I have to be completely honest. It's probably the offense I'm concerned the most about in the division. Uh, first point, I agree. Oliver Bjorkstrand, he's an analytics darling. I absolutely buy into his hype. I think he's fantastic. Aside from him, though, I just think there's a lot of questions. And it's it's we're going to decide as well. Like, And this is why I'm, I'm always happy to have people on that are a fan of of a specific team, and they get to watch them because it's like, okay, well, what what is the truth here? Is it somewhere in the middle? Seth Jones was a great example. For someone that watches Seth Jones, you buy into it, and you're like, yeah, he's fantastic. For someone who can't watch Seth Jones for 82 games a year, and I have to go off of a lot of things that are provided out there, it's like, hey, here's how good a player actually is. I'm like, yeah. so what's, what's up with Seth Jones? And I see that with the rest of this team as well. Like, I'll call guys like Bemstrom and Robinson okay. Like, they're still relatively early in their career. Yeah. Not saying they can't be effective. Um, but you have questions about Line and Roslovich, right? Like, they came over last year. Roslovich looked really, really good at points, too. But, okay, this is they're starting with this team from the beginning of the season. Brand new coach. What's that going to look like? Um, you have another young guy like Tessier who, granted, still really young. Can he take that next step up this year, or is that still a little bit further down the road? I, I do like Voracek. You know, not bad. Question mark, though, you know, what's he going to look like going back to Columbus after, what, a decade? Um, yeah. You have Gustav Nyquist, who's coming off of a major injury. No idea what he's going to look like. Um, Boone Jenner as well. I, I just wonder about him because Boone Jenner is one of those guys I feel like he can be absolutely fantastic or can maybe kind of just be like, oh, what happened? He's been quiet for a little bit. I don't know if that matches up. Very with... very streaky player. Absolutely. Uh, you have Sean Corrali, who I love. I agree with you in terms of like bottom six heart, grit, soul type of guy. Sucks to see him go. You know, the Bruins weren't going to keep him for what he was being offered in Columbus. And besides, he's from Ohio. It's it's just a really it's, – it's a good move for that reason. Um, and then in terms of who else fills out the, the offense, like Liam Foodie, he's still a pretty – really young player, still unknown. Uh, Cap Friendly still has Chinnikoff as, as someone who might make the roster. Yeah, I think which... actually him and uh, Sillinger are going to end up actually – I think right now are, are – as, as of now, right? I think him – I think they actually are – projected to at least make the make the team. I don't know if they're going to start, obviously, in uh, in Columbus, but um, Chinakov is, is looking very, very promising. Maybe Stillinger gets that seven-game trial before going back to junior if they're like, oh, okay, maybe that's for the best. Uh, and then someone like Kevin Stenland, who seems like a, a good option as like a depth role to maybe fill in 
you know, you have like Gregory Hoffman who came over from Switzerland. I don't know if you have an opinion on him through preseason at this yeah, point. But I haven't gotten to watch him too much. But I know he played very well overseas. But I, I think, uh, like I said, it, it, at this point, there's so many like there's so many that like that bottom six of who you'd fill in. I feel like right now has a lot of question marks. And I think it's going to be yeah. like you said, kind of given that seven eight game trial and like see what works, yeah. see what doesn't, and go from there. I mean, and too, like Nathan Gerby's hurt, and I think the biggest thing is Max Domi's hurt, and where is his level of play at this point? You know, uh, he doesn't get taken by Seattle in the expansion because they're worried about the cap hit, and that seemed like a slam dunk because essentially they, they took nobody from Columbus at the end of the day, which for Blue Jackets fans, like, oh, it's not that bad because, hey, if Max Domi comes back and he can once again become what Max Domi can be, that's not bad, but... Just throughout that, yeah, there's just a lot of question marks about that particular offense that that scares me. But then looking at the defense, I view this as one of the top two to three defenses potentially in the division. Because I do think Zach Wierenski's fantastic. I do think Gavrikov's kind of along the lines of, at least from what I've seen, and again, does it match up with the eye test? I don't know. But from what I've seen of Gavrikov, it kind of lines up with Bjorkstrand of like, this guy looks really underrated. Like, Dean Kukin looks like someone who looks like a decent defenseman. Again, if that lines up, I don't know. Bokvist, I think, he's been solid so far in Chicago. I think he'll be solid. I'm still surprised Carolina gave up Jake Bean. For me, like the only real question on that defense is like, okay, it's it's Andrew Peak or Scott Harrington, I think, as like the sixth option. But yeah. Peak is still, you know, he, he wasn't it's he's not that far removed from being in the NCAA at this point. He still hasn't had a lot of pro experience. So even with the departure of Seth Jones, I actually really like their defense. No, and I think that's a, it's a good take there. And especially I think for me, from from I guess kind of more so like you said, like the eye test and analytic test, it's like um I guess I see when you put, um, granted, I know it was the, kind of like the, the COVID season, um, the first one when, when Tampa um, had eliminated the Blue Jackets um, in the playoffs. Um, to me, I don't, it's just like, it was like, I felt like our, our players were very, very close. Like the young guys or people who had didn't have too much experience on the team yet were like very close to getting to where they need to be, but just weren't there yet. And so I think with this season is going to be like that kind of make or break area where... Um, you're going to have players that um, start to really stand out um, and can make that jump into being a, a you know top four defenseman for the team, um, and then it's it's you know it's been odd too because just the way of the, the coaching tendencies like um, you know Dean Kukan for example like you said he's great like, seems like a great player I you know I, I've always had very good things to say about him he's been solid for us but he's even himself has seen some time being that seventh defenseman where he isn't dressing um, you know it's kind of again just like I guess they're going with the hot hands but. Um, I guess maybe having those, even if it's, you know, your six man, um, fifth and sixth guys that are constantly changing. I don't know how good or great that is for just overall chemistry or trying to find a groove with it. Cause you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like pretty much everyone in the league has their defensive partner that they play with. Like they just, you know, they always play with them. So obviously there's going to be some adjustments here and there, you know, what it might be, but, um, I don't know. I, I think a lot of that too. And, you make a great point with the offense. There is a ton of young talent that has shown they're capable of being very, very good. You know, like you said, Robinson, one of the players that stands out to me the most is he's can be one of the most impactful players on the ice at any given time. And I think last year there were a lot of chances where um, he was put in positions where he had great opportunities, and unfortunately, just like 
wouldn't finish. Didn't you know? Didn't end up scoring a goal on a on a play. And like those things this year are going to be huge, where these young guys are going to have an opportunity to really make an impact. Um, and I think they're going to be you know the true deciders of the how this team performs. And the last point I have here is with the goaltending, of course. Analytics side of things doesn't necessarily paint an overly pretty picture about either of these two. But while I do have the goaltending on paper as towards the bottom half here, um, you know, there's the elephant in the room surrounding the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, We have talked about kind of this young offense that could surprise, this defense that could surprise. I don't know if there's anyone that has any more uh, ambition heading into this season than Elvis Merzlikens in goal. Uh, so I do not discount that this team could be sneaky good and make it into a playoff uh, spot. It's just obviously, again, a lot of those questions. But yeah, in goal, on paper, it might not be the strongest, but that doesn't mean it's going to be the worst. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. And I tell you what, Elvis, for, you know, from just seeing him in you know, a lot of the Jackets media, um, he is one of the best things to happen, you know, not only just for the Blue Jackets, but for the city of Columbus. Um, I know as from not living in Columbus, I know you guys probably heard, oh, players want to leave because they don't want to play in Columbus. It's, you know, it's a football city. There's no, you know, and I think Elvis is the great representative where he's like, I think Elvis absolutely loves Columbus. He loves the city. He loves the people. He loves the atmosphere. Um, and there's something special about, you know, the way that the, the passionate fans are here in, in Columbus for the Blue Jackets hockey and the way that Elvis you know, just expresses himself. He's a, he's a very entertaining guy, not just for the Blue Jackets, just across the league, right? Um, he, he's, I think he's great for the league, great for the team. And I think just having that attitude um, in the locker room, spreading around to the teammates, um, just having that, you know, kind of um, uplifting and exciting and fun feel is going to create for some really, um, I think, tight bonds between players. And I think we'll start to, um, you know, my hope is, people start to realize Columbus, how great it is, you know, not just because of, Hey, like, well, they say it's good. Like I'm going to trust them. You know, players are going to start coming here and, and really enjoying it. And I hope that that continues um, because I know this is kind of going sidetracked, you know, a little bit, but I, you know, having like players like Panarin go, um, you know, going from Columbus to New York city, uh, which, you know, talk, you know, we'll talk about the Rangers here shortly, but um, it, having the players leave for, for those reasons, like I can tell you as a fan is like, it gets pretty old. Like I, you know, we, mm. as much as we, like, it, I don't know if it's true. I mean, heck, I don't know if it's true or not. I've been in Columbus my whole life, but I am hoping that, you know, in the next couple of years, if it's not this season that we turn something around, um, you know, go back right back into battling like we did a couple of years ago. Endo, any particular thoughts here on the blue jackets that you wanted to add, or shall we move on to a hot take of mine? <laughs> oh, Endo, you are muted. Oh, see, now I must have hey, mine. Hey, you too. did there it too. Go. Yeah, I'm not alone. Guess. Great. Perfect. Um, I think um, I think we just <laughs> move on. Uh, uh, hopefully they have a good season. Hopefully they, they, they bounce back. Uh, obviously, best wishes to um, that franchise after what happened in the offseason. And, yeah, this is definitely a year. It's kind of make it or break it. You go from here and you see if you're going to – what you're going to do if you're going to make the playoffs, you're going to actually end up rebuilding. So fingers crossed everything goes well for them. They do have Chicago's first round pick as well already. So if they were to choose to move on from other pieces, I mean, they won't be able to rival Arizona with draft picks, but it could still be an interesting draft. (laughs) We'll move on to the team that I have in seventh. I'll do my full rundown here and turn it over to you guys uh, as we go through each spot. 
Uh, I said it was a hot take. In seventh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, I said on this very show last year, I thought the Philadelphia Flyers would make it all the way to the Stanley Cup. That did not happen. They did not make the playoffs. I look at this team, and specifically the offense. We'll start here, and I, I, I'm sure I won't have any disagreements. Like, you know, it's I have them at about four out of eight, I would say. Not the best offense in the in the division, not the worst. Drew Couturier, both fantastic. Konechny and JVR, still great. Lindblom, Atkinson, Lawton, like all three of them. But then you get questions. Joel Farabee's still a young player. I'd define him as okay. Nicholas Obey-Kubel, still relatively young. He's okay. You got Morgan Frost, and the young player is a question mark. But then it's guys like Derek Broussard and Nate Thompson that you're kind of banking on turning the clock back a little bit. And it, it's just, it's a little bit concerning. It's not a brutal offensive situation, but it's also not among the top three in this division. Thoughts? I think I think that's a very accurate um, take in terms of like offensively. You know, I, my, my first thing is, again, just coming from kind of a jacket side, seeing players I'm familiar with. Um, make a great point. Derek Brassard hopefully can turn a couple years back. I think he used to be a great threat. Obviously, right now, just yep. a little bit older. Um, if he can find some strong third and fourth line minutes and make it an impact, I think that's a great addition. But it is going to be if he can find those minutes, right? Um, I think Atkinson's a, again a fantastic player. You, know, you look when he when he was paired with Panarin in Columbus and he had forty goals that season, um, or just about. If he clicks well with you know, I don't know what their lines are going to be um, or what they've been using in the preseason, but if he can find a you know, almost like a dynamic duo to put them together, whether that be um, him and Giroux or him and Couturier. Um, he has a potential to be very explosive there. So, um, but like you said, having that fourth line kind of be a mystery at this point, um, it, that is a little concerning just because the league is becoming so, you know, like I know fourth liners used to just kind of be, you know, guys throwing the body and maybe throwing some fights. But now it's becoming so skilled of a league that you, you kind of need all four lines to be rolling for you. So, um, that definitely does put some questions in my head. And uh, anything to add? Uh, you took the words right from my mouth. I got, I got nothing else to say. <laughs> He's great now, to think alike. We'll, we'll move on to the defense then. And this is the reason why I didn't do the recap of all their moves before the offense like we did for Columbus. In terms of offseason moves, uh, they acquired Ryan Ellis from Nashville for Phil Myers and Nolan Patrick. They then sent Shane Gostas Bear to Arizona, along with the second and the seventh, for literally nothing, future considerations. They then acquired Rasmus Ristolainen from uh, Buffalo for Robert Haig, a first and a second. And then, of course, the Atkinson and Voracek deals. Uh, in terms of other, other major uh, acquisitions, uh, they brought in Keith Yandel as a free agent, uh, who we'll talk about in a minute. We'll also talk about Martin Jones. <laughs> replacing the likes of uh, Brian Elliott and Alex Lyon. Let's talk about this defense. I have this as the second worst defense in the division. And this is where the controversy comes in. I like Ryan Ellis and Travis Sanheim a lot. Keith Yandel and Justin Braun are both still pretty okay at their advanced ages. And that leaves two players. Rasmus Ristolainen, who has a lot to prove in terms of, hey, it was Buffalo, I'm actually decent, and um, 
Boy, this this gets interesting. Uh, Ivan Provorov, who is along the lines of Seth Jones. I'd call him the Seth Jones of the East. Analytically, doesn't paint a pretty picture. Flyers fans will say, though, Ivan Provorov is one of the best defensemen in the league. I think it all kind of hinges upon how good is Ivan Provorov. Thoughts on the defense? Yeah, I think you put that right on the spot, too, to be honest with you. I think I really don't have any disagreements. I think this is going to be a great season for, um, like you said, Ristolainen to kind of prove himself, see if it was kind of just a fluke. He might have been playing on a weaker team. Um, but, I mean, they've they got a couple solid defensemen. You know, Ryan Ellis is obviously great. I remember watching him for the Preds. He always stood out to me. Um, I mean, it's one of those things where it could click very well or may not mesh at all. So um, I think time will tell, but I think it'll time will tell early. Um, we'll see how this team is going to finish out. I would say Sissy and defensively how they are in the first 10, 15 games um, is going to really paint a picture for, for what we'll see this year. And Endo, with you being a fan of goaltending, I'll leave this next question to you because for Philadelphia, I have this as the worst goaltending tandem on paper in this division. Uh, Carter Hart, yeah. I'm not saying I don't believe in the hype, but he has a lot to prove. Uh, he was abysmal last year. Martin Jones has been abysmal for a while. <laughs> How do you view this goaltending in Philadelphia, Endo? Any, any disagreements there? And that is the primary reason why I have Philadelphia so low is I'm concerned about Ristolainen and Provorov, and I am very, very concerned about that goaltending. So far, both of these goalies have proven to be very streaky. And when they're on, they're on. Uh, and when they're off... God, they 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 are just left to the wolves. Like they they cannot help their team out, buy a team, buy them a save at all whatsoever. So this is definitely gonna be a good prove it year, mostly for Martin Jones, because his contract does expire this year, and seeing if he can have that longevity to stay in the league again and find that spark that he had before. Uh, for Carter Hart, you 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 still got there two more years, but at this point, you're basically the starting guy. You got to prove that you're gonna be that guy, or else you're gonna have to come in and grab another guy to replace you. God, I'd hate for him to lose his starting job to Martin Jones, of all people. No offense. <laughs> if that happens. If that happens. God. That would be quite rough. <laughs> um, I, I will say here, we'll, we'll move on to our next team as well. We'll see if we can pick up the momentum here because, of course, who, who would have thought talking to a, a competitive NHL player that that conversation would have dragged on for a little bit? Not dragged on, but we gave it the time it deserved. Team number six in this division, I was shocked, but I have the Washington Capitals. Uh, and again, I will explain as to why here. I do have them with the best offense in this division, uh, which I was kind of surprised. But once I started looking at it, I'm like, oh, you know, this is better than I thought. Uh, biggest biggest story for them right now is that Nick Backstrom's heading into the season with an injury. It's not a major injury, but still, you never know. He's getting up there a little bit, nagging injuries to start a season. Could be problematic. Uh, Ovechkin's still the GOAT in terms of goal scoring. We said as much earlier when talking about player ratings. Uh, Mantha and Oshie are tremendous. Uh, Tom Wilson, controversial as he may be, he's still really good. And then the supporting cast of Sherry, Eller, Hathaway, even Nick Dowd are all solid. Daniel Sprong, from an analytics standpoint, it's like he's, he's still kicking around. He's not on Anaheim anymore. He looked okay. He's going to get a decent starting spot here. So it leaves someone like Evgeny Kuznetsov, who needs to step up a little bit, and the trade rumors surrounding him haven't really gone away. And then someone similar to Chinnikov for Columbus, who looks like he's going to make the team potentially, is Connor McMichael, 
Uh, complete unknown at the NHL level, but he was really good in junior. Like, really good in junior. And pretty good in the AHL as well as a younger player for that league. In terms of like depth, it leaves Carl Haglin, who's okay. He's still really fast. Uh, and then you get like Brian Pino as a depth forward. So like, I'm a little bit concerned about their depth, but the offense is... It's really good, and I mean, I can't. Okay, I can't sit here and doubt an offense that has Alex Ovechkin on it. I don't care how old he is. Yeah, no, that those top three lines, and I think like even you could even argue your last couple of years, you could argue Washington's had the best offense. I think adding the you know not only the players they had, but picking it up Manta last year. I know they kind of wanted to to make a push last year, and unfortunately didn't go too well. Um, but that's a lot of firepower up front. Um, and like you said, if Kuznetsov steps up and has a really solid year. I mean, this this team's going to be putting up goals left and right. So, um, but with that being said, I know you said you got them at the, at the top of the forwards. Um, would love to hear your defense, like what you think about their defense. I feel like you got something good here. Uh, oh yeah. So um, Washington goes from the top offense to the worst defense in the division. Allow <laughs> <laughs> um, me to explain, Caps fans. Yeah, yeah. Give me a second. Uh, Dimitri Orloff, fantastic. Nick Jensen, very underrated. Really good defenseman. Um, from there, though, gets us into the off-season moves that they made. And you'll notice there is a trend here with certain off-season moves and defensive situations for these teams that make it concerning. Uh, they sent Brendan Dillon to Winnipeg for two second-round picks and then used one of those second-round picks to get Vitek Vanacek back. Uh, in goal, which we'll talk about that goaltending situation in a moment. And in terms of any other additions, uh, well, you, you got uh, Matt Irwin, veteran defenseman, uh, Dylan McElrath, who got suspended in the preseason. <laughs> and that was really it. Like, if you look on Elite Prospects, the players joining section for Washington is the shortest section I have seen for any team that I've talked about in the season preview so far. Players leaving, though, I mean, Brendan Dillon's gone. Uh, they lost to Dana Chara as well, which, I mean, say what you want, but that leaves this defense, like I said, with Orloff and Jensen, who are great. Then you have John Carlson, who is a premier offensive defenseman in this league. I don't think any Caps fans will deny that, but that defensive side of his game is, is very, very concerning at this point. Uh, you might even call it tragic. But just the defensive side of his game. But then you talk about Justin Schultz, who's just outright tragic. Um, Michael Kempney is a complete unknown coming off of a major injury. It looks as though Martin Fehervari, I think I have the pronunciation right on that, it looks as though uh, he might get a shot. And then aside from that, it's like, well, you have Trevor Van Riemsdyk, solid, and the previously aforementioned matter when... I would be very, very concerned if I was uh, if I was a Caps fan right about now. Does that does that live up to what you thought I might have had set up for them, Cookie? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think like you said is is even with the off kind of adding into the offense, John Carlson obviously is going to is you know one of the be if not the best offensive defense in the league, top two, top mm -hmm. three, hands down. Um, yep. Scoring is not going to be a problem for them. It's it's their defensive game, and I think just having. Um, the amount of unknowns back there, um, you know, like you said, even losing Brendan Dillon. Um, granted, Brendan Dillon, you know, he, he's, he's a solid player, and he's, you know, I would say, or, uh, for me, I would say he's a defense first player. Um, yeah. You know, not having that, you know, kind of those kind of I like to call it like lockdown defensemen on your squad um, might be tough for them. So 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, let's say, midway through the year, they're battling for a playoff spot. We might see some trades again that might um, kind of similar to how they brought in Dylan, bring someone in. Um, I, I, I would sit here and predict it. I don't want to even make any predictions for about bringing <laughs> anyone from the Jackets over. But you get my point. Um, I think just having the unknowns is, is going to be the, the wild card for them. I think that's going to be, if they can figure that out early, um, they should be okay. But if not, it's going to be, there, there could be some huge issues there. And, and no, before I turn it over to you for any possible thoughts about Washington, where you think they might finish, uh, the goaltending I kind of have towards the bottom here as well, just because it's, it might be the youngest tandem in the division, right? Samsonov and Vanacek, uh, it's not the worst, uh, you could argue it might have been good enough to beat Boston in the first round last year. Of course, they ended up having to go to Craig Anderson, uh, of all players, at that point in time. But just just some question marks. And I feel like that's that's justified. You know, neither is really locked down uh, that starting spot necessarily. And looking at other teams in this division, you know, there there are more sure things when it comes to the goaltending. Yeah, um, I agree with that completely. Especially in the NHL, um, your your goalies are only as good as your defense unless you're uh, an anomaly like Carey Price per se. Uh, but at the same time, you, you can't you, you can have like a one A one B kind of setup, but you got to have one guy in the day when it comes to playoff time. You can't be flopping him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Vegas tried that; it, it worked for a little bit, didn't work out at the end. Um, I think this team definitely needs to figure out what's going on. I'm hopefully. Uh, defense gets sorted out, and if not, it might just be a long season for Caps fans. Anything else to add, gentlemen, about the Washington Capitals, or uh, are we kind of in agreement that this is the year that maybe they... I mean, people have have been predicting that they were going to fall off for a couple of years now, and they've still been a playoff presence, but I don't know, maybe this is the year that certain people kind of get what they were thinking was uh, going to happen. I think you're spot on there. Yeah, and I think if there's the only way, I I think um, you know the the team being a you know still competitive threat is going to be just simply outscoring. Um, Like I said, goaltending may not win them too many games. Um, You know, we always talk about goalie stealing games. Um, It may not happen um, unless you like I said some of these younger guys just step up and go on these wild streaks, which could happen. I mean, we know goalies goalies go through those just streaks and phases of, of unreal play. Um, but if that, you know, just going off of paper and, and, you know, kind of what we're looking at, I think that's, that's a pretty solid prediction. Next up fifth place in this division. I think you'll be able to tell that I'm not overly certain on how this might go. And especially too, I mean, you talk fifth, you know, in the division, you say, Hey, maybe, maybe a wild card spot. It's going to be very tough with that Atlantic, but I have the New Jersey devils in fifth at this stage, talking about moves that they made, uh, they acquired Ryan Graves from Colorado for Nikita, or excuse me, Mikhail Maltsev, and a second-round pick. They moved on from Nick Merkley, uh, who was a part of the Taylor Hall trade. Sorry, Devils fans, for bringing that up. Uh, and they also cut ties with Will Butcher, sending him off to Buffalo. Uh, in terms of players joining, I mean, there there was quite a bit. Um, but the big ones, of course, Jonathan Bernier, Dougie Hamilton, Thomas Tatar as well joining the team. They also have someone like Jimmy VC and Mark Jankowski uh, on PTOs at the moment. We'll see what happens there. Uh, in terms of departures, though, from the team, I mean, again, we already mentioned Butcher. They lost Ryan Murray to Colorado as well, so probably more talent in than they lost. 
And looking at this offense, though, I still have to rate them kind of towards the bottom here, just due to a lot of uncertainties. Um, you know, before we started recording, uh, Cookie and I were actually talking about Thomas Tatar. I really like that pickup. I do. I think he's going to be really good for them. I still really can't understand the Habs handling of him. Not saying it would have been the difference between them like winning the cup this past summer or not, but uh, still very, very weird. Uh, Sharon Govich was a fantastic surprise for them last year. Shout out to Belarus. Jesper Bratt's really solid. Nico Heischer's solid when he stays healthy. Like last year was a disaster for him. He could not stay healthy. Um, I gotta be honest, the, the hype around this player is completely gone, Endo, but uh, I still think there's something to Andreas Janssen's game. Or Name man. from your past. <laughs> uh, but it, get, it, it gets rough from there. Like, Jack Hughes is obviously still developing as a player. I think he's got a long way to go towards being that ideal number one center and maybe the second guy behind Nico. Uh, someone like Michael McLeod was okay last year, but again, just okay. Uh, Zaka and Miles Wood are meh, too okay. And then younger guys like Quoken and Boakfast and Studnik. Uh, the offense is is towards the bottom here for that reason. They have some question marks uh, compared to, say, to the Blue Jackets. You know, it, it, it's really close, right? It's really close. I could easily envision the Blue Jackets putting up more goals uh, this season. But, yeah, for New Jersey, the offense, it's not the prettiest picture here heading into the season. Yeah, and I think what kind of sticks out to me too, I think the, the defensive acquisitions were solid. And it's as much as it hurts to see Ryan Murray go, um, you know, especially as a, him being on the Jackets for so long, it's tough because he's just been so injury prone, and it, it's yeah. it's a tough decision for an organization when you have to kind of move on. Just you know, if you're not going to get, you know, it it, it sucks because if you if you're not going to get, you know even we'll say 70, 80 games out of somebody, it's hard to, to invest in that player. And, you know, obviously it, it's a business and it, it, it sucks. These organizations have to make those decisions. Um, but I think bringing in Dougie Hamilton um, is incredible. And I think uh, I, I actually am surprised that like, I don't know if, how much went on behind the, like, like with Carolina trying to get him to stay, but I feel like, I don't know. That's a, that's a huge, uh, huge addition um, for the devils. And I think, like you said, offensively, Jack Hughes is still developing. Um, I still think he has a lot of spark in that offense, a lot of um, just energy and, and hype around him. Um, and I mean, he—I think even for you know last season, he played very well. Obviously, there's going to be some learning curves and, and some things to add to his game. But um, I, I mean, like you said, offensively, they got a couple solid lines. Defensively, a couple solid lines. I think middle of the pack is is probably right where I would put him as well, um, with the sense that. You know, like they have the like they have the upside, right? To 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 do to do better. Uh, they also have the downside, do a little worse. So, um, but I think overall, it's that's you said it's fourth, right? I think fourth spot on. So defensively as well. I mean, the the main talking points: Dougie Hamilton. <laughs> it's an incredible pickup. Damon Severson alongside him. It's pretty damn good. But then the rest of the defense, more question marks, right? Like Ty Smith looked really good at points last season. Good point producing defenseman, but he's still really young, so we still don't know. You know, sophomore slump could be there. Uh, you know, Siegenthaler is there as well. I think came over. He's been there for I think half a season now after coming over from Washington, but he's okay. Uh, Ryan Graves has some things to prove after coming over from Colorado, and then there's the big question mark of PK Subban, which I mean, it, it's a guy that you know, despite the whole Boston Montreal rivalry, like. I'm not rooting for P.K. Subban to fail. Like, P.K. Subban 
to the best of his abilities, whatever that may be at this point, is only a good thing for the sport of hockey. It might be a bad thing for ESPN or TNT, because I'm quite sure the moment he retires, he will be getting a job uh, for one of those two networks. But, yeah, it's just some, some concerns about that defense as well. Uh, but, I mean, D- Dougie Hamilton. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a positive for that reason, yeah. at least. And I think what's, what's going to be interesting, obviously, Subban's a great offensive threat, no matter when he has the puck in the offensive zone, uh, power play-wise. It'll be interesting to see how they – I don't know who like the pairings are for, for Subban and then Hamilton, like who they're playing with right now. Um, but you have now kind of two offensive threats um, as your defenseman, right? Um, both can mm-hmm. play very well in the offensive zone. Both can lock it down defensively. I think it actually, I think having, bringing in, I think bringing in Dougie Hamilton is actually going to improve Subban's ability um, to kind of create more space and make more plays. Um, simply because I think, I don't, like I said, I don't know what the pairings are, but let's just say, um, let's say Dougie Hamilton's taking first line um, minutes and then, you know, Subban's taking second line. It's just the different matchups you're going to see, different players going up against, um, you know, different lines going up against each other. So I, I yep, actually think he's going to have a very, very solid, solid year. Cap Friendly has it as Graves, Hamilton, Smith, and Subban as the top two pairings. So uh, there you go. And, I mean, think of the power play implications there as well, right? I mean, you have have three guys. I mean, God, you think about four defensemen. Hamilton, Smith, Subban, Severson. If they were to run four defensemen on a power play, that's not bad at all. Not at all. So that could be a brand new threat for them. But I'll say this then, too. We get to the goaltending, and that's the reason why I have them somewhat highly ranked. Uh, Because Mackenzie Blackwood's really good. And I'll say hopefully his vaccination status doesn't cost him points against Canadian teams. But they also brought in Jonathan Bernier, which is a really solid move. Like, he continued to put up decent numbers in Detroit. And we all kind of know how bad Detroit's been in the past couple of years. So, in terms of a tandem... It's one of the best in this division, and that's kind of what saves it for New Jersey is I think you have a lot of question marks in front of those goaltenders, a lot of younger guys, but you're going to have guys that are going to be able to take away uh, potential goals there to keep them in games, and that's going to be a confidence booster. Yeah, without a doubt. I I think, too, with, um, like you said, it'll be interesting to see how Blackwoods plays out, um, like with the 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 vaccination status. As of right now, is it Canadian games? Um, they cannot play. Is that correct? I like think there's complications, and don't correct me if I'm wrong too, with you being Canadian. But uh, I think the the guideline essentially was like it's essentially not even worth it for teams to try to get them into Canada because of uh, certain quarantine standards yeah. and stuff like that. That just essentially doesn't make that's it a, worth it. Yeah, that's like so. It's like a it's like a um, like um, not law, but it's like it's like like just country to country. It's hard to get into. Uh, yeah. traveling place without okay so, gotcha, gotcha. so as of this recording i'll say that completely flat out um i believe the current bylaw for players in the nhl or any sports players playing over here who aren't vaccinated is that if it's, the facilities themselves here are saying you have to be vaccinated to even be in the building and i believe that if you do if you are not vaccinated and you're in the and you're in the country um, you won't, you cannot play the game, and you probably when you, I think it's you're also docked pay as well. I think it's similar to what the NBA is doing. Yeah, I'm saying I remember I seen something with the pay, like they like they don't get paid for the the games that they miss. Uh, I mean, in that in that sense, it's going to be you know if it's 
it's obviously not going to be too many, um, you know, that you're going to have playing um, where you're going to have to be traveling that, um, you know, out of country. Uh, so even if it's four or five games, and I, now I say it right now, I'm thinking about it, four or five games isn't that much. But then when you look at the standings at the end of every year, you're like, wow, mm-hmm. four points out or, you know, three points out. What what could have been, what, you know, what would have happened if we would have play, been able to play Blackwood, right? Um I think, like you said, goaltending tandem, they're going to be fine. It'll be interesting once it comes into, you know, availability um, during certain games. But goaltending, I think they're going to be all right. Yeah. So we just got an update here. Uh, I think everything I said was pretty much spot on from an article from CBS Sports. Uh, Stephen uh, Taranto, I'm probably mispronouncing mis- uh, that. Uh, but it says right here, according to a report by Emily Kaplan of ESPN, and it show informants teams of the league health and CV protocols between for the 2021-22 uh, season. Severe restrictions on unvaccinated players. Many of the rules against unvaccinated players apply to road trips. Players who are not vaccinated will only be able to go to their team hotel, practice facility, and arena while being unable to use areas such as bars, restaurants, gyms, and pools. Unvaccinated players will also be forbidden from having teammates or visitors in their hotel rooms. And under NHL rules, teams will be permitted to suspend unvaccinated players who are unable to participate in club activities or due to positive tests or COVID-19 or due to inability to travel because of the government restriction. Uh, unvaccinated players lose one day's pay for each day they miss, through the le- though the league will make exceptions for players who do not take a vaccine due to religious or medical reasons. So that's basically everything. So basically, it's a gigantic pain in the ass. Yeah, you're basically uh, <laughs> causing more harm than good for your franchise. With that, <laughs> we'll move on here. We have four teams left. We're only halfway through. We'll see if we get through this <laughs> with all three people involved. Three long-winded people on a podcast. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> Next up, I have the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, in fourth in this particular division. I'll give my quick rundown here so we can hopefully speed yeah. things up, right? right. Uh, in terms of their moves, in terms of trades, outside of dealing Jared McCann to Toronto, there was nothing else there. In terms of people joining the team, uh, they brought in Dominic Simone, Brock McGinn, and Danton Heinen. Like, they didn't really have these major additions. And in terms of departures, obviously they lost Brandon Tanev to Seattle. Uh, Jared McCann, of course, from that trade. Cody Cece uh, gone as well. I do have their offense still as a top three offense. Now, right now, at the start of the season, it's a bit shaky because Crosby and Malkin are both starting the season injured, which is incredibly scary. Um, you know, you could say, oh, it's not a long-term issue, but hey, you never know. The, your two, two of your best players in franchise history starting off a season injured, never really a great sign. Uh, but you look at the rest of the team, like Gensel and Rust are fantastic. Aston Reese and Teddy Bluger are solid. Jeff Carter randomly turned back the clock 10 years at the end of last season. Don't know if he'll be able to do it again. We'll see. Um, you know, you got guys like Zucker and Kapanen, I think, that are going to want to be a little bit better. Uh, but then you look at the rest of the lineup, and it's Evan Rodriguez and Brock McGinn and Danton Heinen. Tell me if you've heard of this guy, Sam Lafferty. What about Anthony Angelo? And then, of course, Dominic Simone. It's a good offense. Some depth concerns. They need guys to stay healthy. That said, I think their defense is potentially the best in the division. I'm still on board the John Marino hype train. Uh, Marcus Pedersen's an underrated defenseman for the role he's been playing. Brian DeMoulin's still solid. Chad Roedel, also solid in the role that he's played. It comes down to how good's Chris Letang going to be at this point. 
And can Mike Matheson finally figure out how to play defense? Um, it, it's, <laughs> it hasn't happened yet, but maybe <laughs> this is the year, Mike. And then it comes down to their goaltending in Pittsburgh, right? Like, we all know this. I have it towards the bottom half. Like, Casey DeSmith is a solid backup to 1B. There is, I don't know if there's another goalie that has more pressure on his shoulders this season in this division than Tristan Jari, especially after how last season ended. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think overall, just looking at you, because I, I know I like to talk, 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 so I'll be, I'll be wrapping all my thoughts up as well. Uh, I think it's offensively... For your own, you know, it's for your own benefit, yeah, I swear. Right. <laughs> uh, I think offensively, you know, they're going to be solid. Um, my thing is, I think, like, you know, Crosby and Malkin are getting older. Um, and I think while Crosby has still shined, I think Malkin might have taken a slight step backwards. Um, but I, I think because of simply just, like, their, their offense hasn't really changed much... Um, you kind of know what you're going to get with that. You're going to see what you know. You'll what you expect out of their offense is what you're going to get. Um, defensively, they're solid. I think they're in a great spot. Um, but like you said, goaltending and especially with how last year ended, um, it'll be really interesting to see how long uh, you know the Penguins go without either making some severe changes in their goaltending or even. I mean, I don't even know if it's worth that point making a trade. Um, like it is, if they are in the kind of the middle of the pack, come playoff time and they need to make a push, I would not be surprised to see them make a change there. You, you know, it's a shame that there wasn't a Vezina goalie with ties to Pittsburgh that um, was available for trade this offseason for virtually nothing. It's a shame. <laughs> Cap-wise, it might have been tough to figure it out, but hey, crazier things have been done. Uh, Endo, anything to add about Pittsburgh here? Placement wrong? What do you think? How many more goalie coaches do they need to fix a glove hand? Uh, the answer is not enough. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, yeah. um, they do well this season. Uh, I'm I obviously am the more of the goalie guy of this podcast. Um, I hope they there's definitely a big bounce back from Tristan Jari. I mean, obviously having uh, Malkin and Crosby out for the beginning of the year is going to be going to suck. Right now, apparently, Getzel and Aston Reese are both on COVID protocol. Uh, no uh, expected duration to return. Uh, fingers crossed, they're okay because that's kind of scary. Uh, but yeah, that, that's the way. That's the way the cookie crumbles. This, this, you know, we'll, we'll just ignore the, the pun there. It's perfectly fine. Top three teams in this division. I'm gonna kick it off at number three with the Carolina Hurricanes, which might also be a tad bit controversial. But talking about their moves. From this offseason, uh, you talk about players joining. I mean, there there were a thousand of them uh, in goal. Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta. Uh, Josh Levo, Tony D'Angelo, Ian Cole, Ethan Bear, Brendan Smith, Alex Lyon, Derek Stepan, Stefan Nason. It's, it's an entirely new team, practically. Uh, and in terms of players leaving, uh, the big one, I would say, is probably Alex Nedeljkovic. Uh, but Jake Bean is gone as well. Warren Fogle, James Reimer, Brock McGinn, Peter Morazic, Dougie Hamilton. He's probably the, the biggest player, actually. I should stand corrected on that. It, Carolina changed almost everything. Like, it is ridiculous how much turnover there is. And because of that, I have their offense towards the bottom half. You know, I think, again, there's going to be no disagreement. Sebastian Ajo is fantastic. Svechnikov is great. Stahl, Teravine, and Trocheck when they're healthy, are still incredibly solid. Same thing for Nino Niederreiter. Uh, someone like Josh Levo, it's like, okay, is he finally, like, analytically, he looks good in the role that he's played. Can he finally step up? They're going to need it. 
But then you get guys like Martin Natchez and Kakaniebi, who are viewed as incredibly high ceilings, but still got to see it. Uh, and then your depth is like Jesper Fast, who's okay, and then Derek Stepan and Jordan Martinuk. Like, I have my concerns. And their defense took a gigantic hit, man. It did. Like, they still have Pesci and Slavin. Fantastic. Ethan Bear. I like that move. Uh, but again, Hamilton's gone. And it leaves you with Brady Shea. Uh, what would we call the opposite of an analytical darling? Um, oh, gosh. I have no idea. Uh, I mean, an analytical nightmare? <laughs> I don't know. There we go. Wait, we can see, yeah, Perfect. We can leave it at that. Uh, they have Ian Cole, who's still serviceable, but he's not what he used to be. And then what I'll say about Tony D'Angelo is that he only played six games last year for some reason. Uh, I don't know what this defense is anymore. And it used to be the strong point of this Carolina team. And then I look at the goaltending, and when they're healthy, they're fantastic with Freddie Anderson and Nati Ranta. Are, are we going to trust that they're going to be healthy? I, yeah, I, and Endo, how, Endo, how do you feel as a Leafs fan about the idea of trusting Freddie Anderson to stay healthy? It seems like they went with, um, God, I don't know why they love doing this to Anti Ranta, but they, they just love putting him in situations where he's going to be either the backup or not the guy. Uh, I think over it is yeah. not. Oh, actually, never mind. Look at this. Is uh, is how he performed last season. Never mind. Forget what I said. Uh, <laughs> a three point three six uh, goals against average and a nine oh five. Eh. Um, I feel like uh, it was a big downgrade to get uh, Freddie back in because he's coming off of injury, and basically this is his proven year. This is a proven year for both of them. They both had expiring contracts, uh, same age, one just three inches tall, four inches taller. I think if if Freddie has a good year and uh, and they do well, this will be big. But I feel like he's not going to be as dominant as he used to be. He's going to have to find a different style of play and. This could be the beginning of a of a continual slump in his play style and his uh, so Car- longevity. <laughs> so Carolina's winning the Stanley Cup with Freddie Anderson in goal, I right? I swear to God. They drafted him <laughs> once, said no, and now they took him back. Like, well, come on. Oh, God. So Cookie, my, any quick thoughts on the Canes? Yeah, I, I actually think the Canes offense is going to be fine. I think they're actually going to be very well. I love Trocek. Um, I think he's a player that shows up when it matters. Um, big game situation. He's always going to be a guy to go to. Um, obviously, Svech is unreal. Um, I, I actually think that um, it'll be interesting with, like you said, Kaka Niemi. Um, like you said, he, you know, he's got a high ceiling, but it, even in this time in Montreal, I think he had he had moments where you're like, that's the player you know that we that we expect to see. You know, that that's a stud right there. There's also moments where it's you know there's a lot of room for improvement. So I think um, again, this is a big year for him to to kind of make that jump into really cementing himself as a player in this league that that's you know that's going to be trouble for teams um, to handle. So um, I think it is going to rely on you know kind of a couple guys to kind of make or break this team. Um, but I still think they're in good hands. I mean, I still think they're going to be a solid squad. Goaltending, I know it's if they stay healthy, not a worry. There's the you know the if they stay healthy. Um, so other than that, I like them though. I like the Canes. I think even with those defensive losses, um, I think they're going to be able to, to, to find a way to make things work still well there. So then we get to the top two, at least on my list again. And it's down to two of the, uh, the two New York teams in this division. And we go with the team that I have in second, the New York Islanders. Wow. And, 
I was very surprised by this. I'm still surprised that I said it now. Uh, but allow me uh, to explain, and again, as per usual, we'll talk about uh, the comings and goings with this Islanders team. Uh, they had Richard Ponick, Zach Parise, Sedano Chara as the highlights in terms of losses. Uh, Nick Letty, of course, was dealt to Detroit. Andrew Ladd's gone. Jordan Everly, Josh Hosang, Travis Sajak ended up retiring. I think they have a fantastic offense, uh, potentially the second best in this division. Matt Barzell's great. Beauvillier's really good. Wallstrom and his role looked really good last year. We'll see what he does this year. And then in terms of filling out like the top six, it's Anders Lee, a healthy Anders Lee, hopefully. Kyle Palmieri, Brock Nelson, J.G. Pajot, Casey Sezikis. Like, all of those guys, okay, maybe not top six for Sezikis and Pajot, but all of those guys are so good in their roles. And then, yes, the rest of the team, like, I'd like to see Josh Bailey step up for the sake of the Islanders. Zach Parise, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. And then, as much as I want to discredit, here's Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck and Leo Komarov. They found success in the Barry Trot system, so I can't hate on them for that. And the defense, for the same reason, stands out as probably a top three defense in that division. Because Pelik and Pollock are fantastic. Zdeno Chara, at his advanced age, is still solid and will likely do very well under Barry Trotz. And Scott Mayfield is fine. So your only real questions are like Noah Dobson getting better as a younger defenseman and Andy Green hopefully turning back the clock. I think it's really good. And then their goaltending. Varlamov was really solid in that system. Still want to see more of Sorokin this year, but it's just good. It's really good for the Islanders. Uh, and for that reason, yes, I'm surprised they don't have them as the top team in this division, but there's there's a reason for that. I, I think that's spot on. Um, I, I think you could argue, like, the, the one and two spot is going to be, I think, is, is, is kind of either either the teams um, from New York. And I think one of the things that actually, to me, um, is going to stand out is kind of filling that spot of Jordan Eberle leaving to Seattle. Um I think he's been a he's been a fantastic player for them. One that's obviously a standout player and, and just makes plays. Um, it was always so fun to watch, especially in the playoff time, just seeing how he works. Um, some of the goals he scores are just ridiculous, and that's kind of one of those players where it's I, I you know I don't care who you bring in, it's going to be hard to replace. He played the system very well. Yeah. Um, I think also keep in mind, Anders Lee was out for what since March of, of last year, so I know he'll be back. Because um, correct me if I'm wrong, he he did not play in the playoffs, right? I don't believe he did. Correct. Yeah. So like having him back during the you know having a healthy Anders Lee is going to be huge. Um, I think it, you know what's going to be interesting is seeing how Zach Parise fits in the, in with this team. If he can have, play some even strong third line minutes, um, I think is going to be great. And there's something with I don't know. I mean Barry Trotz is is one of the best coaches for a reason. It seems to yeah. me because I mean I mean there's. There's games I even stand out from uh, from watching the playoffs last year. It's like games where the Islanders get very much, you know, if you want to look at analytically wise, outplayed, outpossessed, and yet they find a way to win all the time. And I think you owe a lot of that to Barry Trotz. He just knows his players well, knows what works, and, and is, is very good at making those plays execute. So um, the additions, like I said, having Chara, it's kind of cool because it's back in his, uh, his rookie team. So... Um, will be very cool to see him back in the in the. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not rookie team. He was Ottawa, right? Ottawa or no? Ottawa, he was he was drafted no. was by the Islanders. Oh, and that's what it was. But he he was never dealt actually, for Yashin. Yep. That's that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, it, it will be weird. I will say, seeing him in an Islanders uniform, it'll take a little bit to adjust. Um, still, even uh-huh. to this time, seeing him in Capitals is weird. I still see him as a Boston Bruin. Um, 
But no, I mean, mm-hmm. I think they're going to be in great hands. And um, like I said, having the, the goalie tandem, I think both are going to be good. I think like I said having a little bit more time with Sorokin to get him more comfortable um, come postseason time. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, they were actually my pick um, this previous season to upset the the Lightning um, in that series. So I, again, would not be surprised to see them, um, if not make it all the way to the East, um, win the East. I mean, back-to-back conference finalists, right, in the Eastern Conference. So, Endo, any thoughts on the Islanders before I piss people off? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tuggy, you do that every day. Um, it's true. So I think it's not even intentional half the time. I swear. Yeah, at this point, who knows? Uh, I think uh, they it's strong team, definitely strong to take the division. I would put them at number one, maybe a little bit, uh, if it weren't for the tandem and net that they had over on the other side. Uh, Sorokin and Verlamov are good, but I'm not sure um, if they would be good playoff time uh, per se. I don't know. I just I just have a feeling like they the team just won't do good in the playoffs this year. Just my my two cents. Fair enough. So with that, we've uh, we've reached the the main event here. I do have the New York Rangers winning this division, and I was very very surprised at this in terms of players joining the team. Obviously, Barclay Goodrow. Sammy Blay after a trade uh, with the St. Louis Blues, of course. Patrick Nemeth, Jared Tenorti, Greg McKegg, and the biggest acquisition of them all, Ryan Reeves from the Vegas Golden Knights. In terms of departures, uh, Colin Blackwell to Seattle, Tony D'Angelo, Bushnevich uh, as well. And uh, how are they going to get on without Jack Johnson? I'll never know. Uh, their offense, I'd say, is, is probably mid-table. In terms of like question marks, right? Like Panarin, Sabanajad, they're tremendous. Uh, Kreider's still really good. Lafreniere, granted in a reduced role last year, found his game by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Strom is solid. Blay, he's not Bushnevich, but he's solid. You know, the questions from there, like, okay, you're relying on the continued development of Kapokako, Philip Hedl, and Vitaly Kravtsov, but I like all three of those players. Barclay Goodrow, we'll see how he looks outside of Tampa. And then you got guys like Kevin Rooney and Dryden Hunt who are fine. How often will they play over Ryan Reeves? Or is Ryan going to spend 25 minutes in the box from punching faces, preparing for their first game against Washington? Time will tell. Uh, you got their defense as well, which is mid-table. Like Adam Fox is incredible. Truba and Lindgren, even Nemeth for what he provides, they're good. But the, like the key for the Rangers is that they're relying a lot on Keandre Miller and potentially Nils Lundqvist. Um, and if it's not them, it's younger guys like Lior, uh, Libor Hayek or Zach Jones. And if it's not them, then it's like Jared Tenorti. That's where it scares me a bit. But, and I think people can tell, like goaltending is a big factor for me. Uh, they have the best tandem in this division with Shesterkin and Georgiev. It, it's, I don't even know if it's close. And... Honestly, Shesterkin could be the top starting goaltender in this division. He's got some competition for that, but he could be. I just, I don't know. Uh, part of me is like, man, I don't know if I see the Rangers taking that big of a step up yet, but then I look at their roster, this this could be the year. And after last year, I mean, Cookie especially, like, you know, we remember last year, right, where it's like, oh, cool, they're going to blow it up and destroy it because Tom Wilson punched a guy, uh, and they were mad they didn't make the playoffs, but... It looks like it might work out, at least on paper. Yeah, and and I think they've like after especially the last couple of years, this you know it's obviously been a little disappointing. I think they're more than due for for a solid year. Um, I I'll be honest with you with Yatsugi. I I think offensively they're going to be fine. Um, I do like the offense. 
Um, like you said, it's, it goes without being said. Panarin and Zabanajad, especially working together, is, is unbelievable. Um, I don't. I just feel like to make this much of a jump with all the young talent, um, I think is, in my opinion, going to be tough to do. Not saying it isn't. I mean, it isn't capable. I mean, hell, you can have young guys come in and, and make an impact right away. Um, but just simply, I think just not having the experience yet um, leads me. I still think. Do I think they'll make the playoffs? Yes. Um, but I don't know if they'll take the division. Goaltending wise, again, completely fine. Um, I would agree with you. I think they have the best, um, other than the Blue Jackets, of course. Uh, they have the best, <laughs> um, you know, tandem there. Either guy is going to be great for them. Um, you know what? I, I can't remember. Is it? Is it? Um, is it Georgiev? Who's the? He's a smaller goaltender, right? Isn't he? I want to say he's more so like almost reminds Georgiev, me of like Halak. Maybe I'm. He's, he's one inch shorter. Six uh, one. So Georgiev is uh, six foot one, uh, one seventy eight. And uh, Shashurkin is um, six foot two, one ninety two. Okay, six foot. Actually, I guess it's more size. I was thinking more so like Halak, but um, maybe just a, a lighter guy. But I, yeah. I've never seen um, just the games when when the Jackets would play the Rangers and, and Georgiev. I'm like, dude, like how how are you making these saves? So he's it just the more time with him, the better he's going to get. Um, and uh, but I would say, you know, for mine, not to play devil's advocate, um, I would say. I think they're going to make the playoffs, but I do not think it would be in the. I think it'll be a wild card position. I think that's fair. Endo, your take on the Rangers again, controversial as it may be, from myself. Uh, I think they're they're in a position to possibly like do something and show they're willing to not just back off. This is definitely the definitely a year after the pummeling and being disgraced basically by uh, Tom Wilson living rent free in their heads. With uh, bringing in um, big old Ryan Reeves, uh, the Muffin Man, and I think this could be definitely something. He was showing guys how to fight in practice, like what you should do, and like bring them in and all that. So he's gonna bring more grit. There could be a lot more uh, physicality to the team overall, and showing they're not really just gonna sit around and get walked all over. Uh, I hope I hope they do that. And uh, like Cookie said, I think they could make it as a wild card spot uh, if they do well. Bam! Uh, that's even better. It shows that the that the, the process they're trying to do right now is good. Uh, if they don't, then it's just more learning experience for the guys because they have a pretty pretty young young team right now. So everybody, there you have it. Your lovely Metro Division preview. Endo and I will be sticking around for a little bit, but this is where we let Cookie off the ride. He's already gone overtime for us, and we can't thank him enough. Um. You know, the show's had, um, I mean, you know, over a half a year's worth of history at this point. And, uh, Cook, man, this was, this was fun. This was fun. Yeah, We're definitely going to have to have you back. You, yeah, I, first of all, appreciate you reaching out and bringing me on here. As you can tell, I'm a chatter. I love to talk. So, <laughs> for those listening out there, thank you for bearing with me. And, you know, I know I talk your ears off. I'm still doing it right now, right? All right, I'm just going to stop real quick. Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Great chatting with you both. Um, and we will definitely, okay, we'll definitely have to do this again soon. Absolutely. So again, it is at TSC Cookie, spelled the way you would expect. On Twitter, you can find the link, of course, to the uh, to the blog Cookies Crumbs there as well. Make sure you check out that article, of course, that we were mentioning. Will he get back into the streaming game this year? Who's to say? But uh, I'm I'm excited to find out one way or another. 
Uh, Cook, anything else to plug on the way out here, or is that it for you? Um, I think that's about it. Um, I think uh, the only thing I guess I'd want to leave with, um, I know I kind of touched on it with mental health earlier. I'm a huge mental health advocate. If things are going on. Talk with people. Talk with your friends. Talk with your family. Not only is it happening to you know, people like us, happens to professional athletes, to teachers, to, to, to nurses, to doctors, everybody, and it is always good to speak about it. Um, and get the help you need. So I know it's kind of off track there, but that is a huge advocate for that. So um, please, we are here for you. Top shelf cookie, ladies and gentlemen. All right, everybody. So a quick little thing here at the end of the show, a couple of quick, maybe not so fun topics uh, to address. I call it the triple header of tough conversations. But before that, of course, as always, we have to remind you that this show is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. Does it not end up? Oh, it is absolutely. Uh, the one thing about Manscaped that I love is that it keeps it clean, it keeps it ready, and if you use promo code TUGI at checkout for 20% off and free worldwide shipping, you can get yourself a copy of the Lawnmower 4.0, Ball Toner, and everything in between that they offer over at Manscaped.com. <laughs> everything in between. Yeah. That's a visual. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's a natural, everybody. I told you as such. Again, manscaped.com. And again, a big thank you to Manscaped for staying on with us here. So quickly then, again, we'll talk about these these things super quickly, but I, I often say I'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention it. Um, the first thing, uh, the Josh Archibald news. And um, for those that did not hear, Josh Archibald of the Edmonton Oilers is out indefinitely after a myocarditis diagnosis, which uh, is, is a heart issue, uh, following about uh, with COVID over the summer. Bottom line is the main topic of discussion with this is a conversation surrounding whether or not people have sympathy for the guy. Uh, and the bottom line is I refuse to engage in that. Uh, the conversations built around him retweeting videos over the summer dubbing COVID a plandemic along with apparently his refusal to get the vaccine. Do I question his judgment and his decisions? Yes. Uh, do I think that those things can be labeled uh, irresponsible and selfish? Yes. Am I rooting for the guy's career to be over or his general health to never be the same? No. And I'm not going to speak for Endo on that, but I presume, of course, we, we feel the same way. Uh, the bottom line is... Dude, he's the second oiler alongside Alex Stalock to develop this condition likely as a result of COVID. It's it's sad. It's scary. It's incredibly sad. It's fucking scary. Uh, and I, I hate to like turn it into like a, a comedic shot, but apparently not everybody, guys, as it turns out, has Duncan Keith's immune system that can blast out a hundred push-ups and sit-ups in five minutes, you know, five minutes. Duncan Keith's immune system might be strong and healthy, baby, but yours might not be. Um, so again, I'll say what I always say in regards to this, uh, consult with your doctor, make the decision that's best for you and your personal, uh, health history. <sighs> best wishes to Josh Archibald. Yeah. Hopefully his career isn't over as a result of this. Endo, anything to add or do we move on to the second part of our triple header of tough conversations? Yeah. So, um, just to touch on myocarditis a little bit, um. I've, uh, a few years ago, I was an idiot and I started drinking a lot of energy drinks and I developed it a little bit. Uh, thank God I was able to talk to my doctor and say like, oh, this is something that's happening to you right now. We can deal with it because you came in so often. I came in like when it happened and I was treated. And recently it came back again 
And uh, so far, my doctor is still getting back to me. So, so far, everything's fine. Just take it easy. Don't overexert yourself and all that. It's it's a treatable issue. Uh, look at Marco Rossi. He came back, and I believe he had myocarditis as well. Uh, but it just means it's going to be a long path. And obviously, it could have been avoidable for certain aspects. But I wish him the best of health. because It's something that you don't want to wish on anybody. Point number two here. And well said. Uh, everything going on with Robin Leonard over the past couple of days. Um, he has become a controversial figure to some. This started really as him speaking out uh, against the Buffalo Sabres and their treatment of Jack Eichel. It has morphed into him calling out the Philadelphia Flyers, calling out the drug culture surrounding the NHL. There was some weirdo Flyers fan who started a fake report that gained traction you have former players like Dale Weiss and Tom Sestito backing Robin Leonard and calling out the NHL. Akeem Alou reminded everybody that it's been two years since he raised his issues with the league and he has not heard back from them, according to him, in an official capacity. It is a lot. And to be honest, I don't even know where the hell we would start in terms of breaking this down. But the reason why I mention this, you know... In terms of keeping track of the entire conversation, where it's going to go, if anywhere, it is a lot. Kudos to you if you're able to keep track. It, it's a story going on in hockey right now. At its base level, it does appear to be someone who's fighting for the betterment of the game and the players that take part in the game. Do your own research on this particular story. It's worth mentioning, but my goodness, is it's just it's branched out so fast and in so many different directions. It's like it's like every every day there's a new update or something going on about the story, and we're learning new things every almost every second. Um, I think the whole like it's it, there's just so much to go off of. So many things are going wrong or so many things are going right. Just I just wish the best for everything in the situation. I'm honestly an advocate for players speaking up more for certain issues and other things they're they're really strong and believing in. I believe you should be able to use your your platform where you're able or your ability to raise awareness of certain things and talk about certain things to your benefit. And I think Robin Leonard speaking up for this, uh, speaking up for the treatment of Jack Eichel and speaking up for the, um, for the treatment of giving Nolan Patrick benzos like unprescribed is completely just, it, it's nuts. Uh, and another thing too is there's been this oh, narrative for the past couple of years that NHL players should speak up more and be more creative and be more free flowing and speak and, Use their, use their ability to speak and do whatever they feel. And then when stuff like this happens and they tell them all to shut up and just play hockey, it's, it's counterintuitive. Do you want people to just be mm -hmm. cookie cutter and have the exact same? Well, uh, you know, I, we, the boys were good and uh, we went on the ice and we did a couple laps and, uh, you know, we played the system. Or do Everyone you want guys to be more suit to the ring? Yeah. Do you want me to be more creative? Do you want guys to be more like out there and just interact with people, interact with the media more and all this? It's just, they're just, it's like a fine. It's not a fine line. It's just I don't know what people want anymore. Like, do you want do you want freedom of uh, being able to express yourself, or do you want people to just be cookie cutter and then complain about being cookie cutter? And our, fir uh, our third point here as well, because again, it's there's just so much to it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but there was a report out of I believe TVA, TVA, TVS, TVA, and this came out today. Uh, there are two members of the Victoriaville Tigres of the QMJHL, uh, both who are currently age 19, 
they will have formal charges pressed against them uh, in regards to an incident this past June where they allegedly sexually assaulted a, and I quote this, young woman. We don't have an age uh, at a party. They filmed it, and at least one of the players in question shared the images. Uh, I am not currently naming these players because at the time of recording, they have not been found guilty by a court of law. That is not me saying that I don't believe the story. I'm awaiting judgment on the case. The reason I bring this up and the reason why I think it's important that we bring it up is to note that these stories are getting out there. Uh, Logan Mayu and his actions, that story is out there. The abuse that junior players have undergone, whether sexually, verbally, mentally, etc., these stories keep coming out, whereas in the past, this is something that could have been brushed under the rug, slipped right under the radar, nothing out of the ordinary, business as usual. It's very important that these stories keep getting you know, brought to the surface here. We'll see what happens really with all three of these stories, um, whether or not, again, I've, I've like screwed myself over long-term by letting it be known that I'm not afraid to discuss sensitive topics like this. Who knows? Maybe I did, but it's important, and I think that's what the majority of you guys expect. Uh, all three of these stories were worth bringing up today to let people know what's going on uh, in the sport, because at the end of the day, these are all hockey stories. This is a hockey podcast, and unfortunately not everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows, right? But we'll see what happens there. And... You know, at the end of the day, all I can really say about that story is um, you have those two guys who were a part of a Memorial Cup winning team, and uh, that, you know, that's not going to be their legacy if this goes a certain way, uh, and rightfully so, if indeed what they are apparently going to be charged for indeed happened. But again, I'm not going to sit here and name names as of yet, but... I, as negative of a story as it is, at least it's being talked about. And again, it's not just, all right, well, come on down. You still get to play and everything's fine. It's it's not that anymore. And that's a really positive change in the sport. It's, it's disgusting. Um, uh, I just read a report that there's going to be a statement released in the next 48 hours on the situation uh, from the QMJHL. And... We'll see what happens from there. I think um, this is just gross behavior in general. This, this shouldn't even be a thing that's happening, but it, uh, it's going to happen, sadly, as disgusting as that is to say. Yeah, it's just... I, I got nothing, but this is just wrong. So, as mentioned, um, three troublesome topics that we at least wanted to touch upon at the end of the show. Yeah. It is kind of a bummer. And a downer to end the show on after, um, you know, after having Cookie on, and that was it was really fun. It was a lot you know, of fun. Uh, yeah. He gave he gave us more time than I thought he would, but that is what the sport of hockey is, and as a result, that is what this podcast is. You see both the positive and the negative going on with the sport, uh, and we're going to be here to talk about it. We're going to be here to cover it, and. Uh, you know, to see what happens from there. But yeah, bottom line is I, I really enjoyed today's show. Uh, and hopefully all of you did as well. And Endo, again, uh, we have one more season preview podcast to go. Sin will be back on the show for the first time in a long time. <laughs> He'll be talking about the Shacks. And uh, boy, do we have some some things to discuss in regards to the Sharks and the rest of 
of the Pacific Division, oh but that'll be a real fun one as well. Some murky water there for the Sharks. Oh, boy. Well, we have our episode title, everybody. And uh... <laughs> murky water. Goodness. Guys, thank you all again uh, for checking out the show today, an extended one for sure. Uh, thank you for sticking with the show as well. Uh, again, as it continues to evolve in its, its second phase, when's Marvel? It's right now. It's <laughs> right now. This is this is phase two. That's a joke for Endo. Um, again, everybody, you know the deal. We will see you later on this week. I will give Endo the last word again. No pressure. Um, no pressure. Uh, I'm going to plug my stuff. Uh, my name is Endo. Um, I'll probably be live uh, when this podcast goes up. Uh, if not, with Tugi's also live as well. So at twitch.tv slash Endo Mills and at twitch.tv slash Tugi24. Uh, Tugi will be doing some, uh, I think you're doing FIFA tonight as, as well. Probably. Yeah. We are very close to the start of NHL 22, though, so who knows how much more FIFA we get in there, unfortunately. 48 hours from the launch of the EA Play for me, probably full game for you, because you're a glorious status as a game changer, or a creator network. Uh, is that believe they changed the name of the creator network, I believe? Yeah, sure. Yeah, creator, the creator network. <laughs> Whatever you want to call me. You can insult me in the comment sections on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. But much like Cookie, I'm Teflon. I'm comfortable with who I am. I'm probably, I'm definitely more of a douche than he is. He's such a nice guy, and we thank him for being on the show. We'll see you all on Friday. Good night. Who do you think you are? I am. Goddamn right. <laughs> 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 oh man that was great <laughs>